onto something uh, that just happened, like like in the case of 66. Mm. But because a program, a, a, a project essentially was being put together to get the government and the DOD out from under this issue, uh, to get, it, get the people off their back, in other words. And, and it was a pretty elaborate plan. Do you remember when in 68 these hearings were held? I could easily Google it, but I think like well, mid-year. Well, the reason it's important is because I'm wondering, NASA that same year made a stunning, unprecedented, and to date, unreturned to decision, which changed everything vis-a-vis Apollo, the Russians, all that. And that was Apollo 8. And that was when I was brought on board CBS. There was no reason that Apollo 8 should have flown the way the decision was made. In fact, NASA lost its administrator who resigned over the decision of the agency over his direction to, to fly Apollo 8. So depending upon when the hearing was held, the Apollo 8 decision might be connected. It might be. I, I think a much, a, a much more likely connection was this. Can you look up the date? Keith, can you look I, up the date, please? Pa, uh, uh, talk, 1968 UFO hearings. Okay, I'll look. You're talking to Keith. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, by 68, the government clearly was fed up with the enormous amount of tension that this issue was getting, the pressure from the public, uh, and uh, that, and they would like to get out from under that. All right. Secondly. They, the, the Apollo program was moving forward, and they're heading towards going to the moon. And from their point of view, I don't think they wanted their efforts to get to the moon, to go in, out into space, uh, polluted by all of this public interest and, and thinking. In what we would find out there. Or just in general about UFOs. It, 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 for them, it was like a pollutant, right? And so – Even though they had in hand – they had the Brookings report, which in hand said that they would discover ruins on the moon, Mars, or Venus as part of NASA's activities made 20 years before Apollo. That, that, that's, that's also the case. I mean, just in case they encountered something, uh, it would be helpful if they could. It wasn't uh, in case. It was predicted tone, by tone. their own eggheads who spent a lot of money doing that research and putting that report together. They said within 20 years, which was Apollo now from 1950s to, to 60s, and they intended in the, I'm sorry, in the 70s, they intended to look for ancient alien ruins. Yeah, but that didn't mean they were going to find anything. But I mean, the anticipation the was out there. So well, that's, if, that's if, the point I'm if, making. If you want yeah. to keep such a discovery secret around an agency which is built on openness, remember the mantra of NASA. What do you do? That's why I want to connect the dates between the decision to go to the moon with Apollo 8 and the decision to hold this UFO hearing from some unnamed source. We can't identify a senator or a congressman who spearheaded the effort, right? Who made that decision in that time frame? And was it designed specifically to kill interest in what Apollo would find on the moon in terms of ETs or aliens? I assume it's a rhetorical question. They they intended always to go to the moon, and they kind of knew when they would go to the moon. And so that was looming ahead uh, only by about a year and a half. Okay, and, according uh, to this, which Keith just sent me – sorry to interrupt. 
On this day, July 29, 68, Duluth UFO researcher testifies before Congress. Native Duluthian and unidentified flying object researcher James E. McDonald. Talk about a swipe at McDonald's credentials. Testified before Congress along with four other men. Carl Sagan, Alan Hynek, Robert Hall, and James Harder. Robert M. Baker Jr. testified. So it was July. The decision was not made uh, to go to the moon until late, like October of 68. So this hearing preceded that decision. The decision to exactly when to go to the moon, the Apollo program was built from the beginning. No, 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 no. no. I'm talking about flying Apollo 8. Apollo 8 was supposed to be an Earth orbit test of the lunar module. Yeah, the lunar module was not ready. So, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, the, you know, the Master Mason, head of NASA, James Webb, was cudgeled into making the decision to send Apollo 8 to the moon. And then he quit. I, I view that as an internal decision about whether that should go or not. Let, let me finish the point I'm making there. Um, so they hold the hearing. It's one day. It was not really clearly intended to go anywhere. They embarrassed uh, James McDonald at that hearing, kind of a, just take advantage of the opportunity, which, which really crushed him and did not contribute to his mental health. I think helped lead to his suicide. And so that was done. And then um, we learn that they're going to put a report together, the Condon report together. Uh, that's kind of about simultaneous. The Condon report comes out in 69 and they make that they, they use that report to justify closing down blue book which they wanted to do for some time right meanwhile simultaneously with that they were undermining the situation over at nightcap their number one foe a significant and formidable foe by the way uh which had high level people on the board lots of scientist members some of the high level people on the board were known cia they weren't they weren't uh, undercover they were they were cia people uh and they took over the board got rid of and essentially everything was closed down. So in 69, just as we're getting to actually get to the moon, uh, they, they feel they have put this issue kind of behind them. Uh, Blue Book didn't find anything significant. Condon reinforced that. He shut it down. Uh, NICAP is, is gone. Obviously, it must not have been doing anything. And this was a milestone period. And that was the last hearing, 1968. Now, as we move forward, uh, obviously, the issue was never going to go away, and the activist work was never going to end. And very quickly, I mean, it was clear to, my, I think, most people that were trying to engage this issue. And though this may not have been known, it may not have been known as well prior to 68, but in order to resolve this issue, it has to be resolved politically. And in order to do it properly, it needs to go through Congress. One of the mistakes that Rockefeller made when he tried to get into this issue, and when he got into this issue in 93, is that he felt the Cold War was over, it's time to move, and he, he said, I'm going to the White House. So he goes to the White House, he contacts the Clinton administration, they form this whole project called the, the Rockefeller Initiative to, quote, get the files out. And if the files had come out, that would have ultimately ended the truth embargo. I mean, a lot of files are coming out, class declassified and released, except that was all coming from the president's office, from the White House. And so you basically have the White House confronting the Department of Defense and saying, I want this stuff. And the DOD saying, oh, we don't want to give it to you. <laughs> well, you should. And it goes, 
and the Congress is completely out of the picture. That was not the way to go, and we know that it didn't work. So that's the point I'm trying to make. It has to go through Congress to be appropriate, well, to be yes less and, disruptive. Yes and no, unless the rank and file simply take the bit in their teeth and do the science and the policy to be damned. I'm, I just had a memory. You know, what do you mean by that, Rick? I don't, what I'm, did you just I'm, say? I don't I'm, understand that. I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you. There are two possibilities for revealing um, the presence of extraterrestrials in the solar system and visiting Earth, right? One is the extraterrestrials themselves. Are you with me? Yes. And the other is an official government-level research which has the credibility to when it says they're real, it will be believed. No level below that, although we've had zillions of claims, have been believed as a culture, right? I, I, I couldn't disagree more. Uh, we have been doing science on this issue through classified programs from day one. They got enough science piled up in their classified programs. That's not, times that's not over. what I'm talking. I'm talking about the public, public perception. We're talking politics, which is 99 plus perception. But how, how could how could the, the public get a perception of, of, of some scientific breakthrough when they're not going to announce it? The only science that was being done in the public was by people funding themselves out of their Social Security checks. All right? There was no science in the public domain. The entire academic world did not even investigate it. The science was done in secret. Nothing was presented to the public from the government that would be convinced them one way or the other. In fact, they put out a lot of information. Let me bring you back to Brookings. Brookings, which was an official document released by Kennedy, you know, as soon as they came into office, said one of the things that could happen is we, NASA discovers ruins of ETs on the moon, Mars, or Venus in the next 20 years. Now, the reason that's important, and I'm connecting these two events, that lone bludgeoning of McDonald in July – and the decision to go to the moon regardless in, in, uh, in, in October is because in between, I had just been brought on board CBS for Cronkite, and I had three astronauts take me to dinner at the, Nash, at the uh, New York Academy of Sciences, wine me and dine me, and ask me, I believe it was because it was Borman or Lovell or Anders who were really asking, but asking me, if I was in lunar orbit, remember this is before Apollo 8, if I was in lunar orbit and I could look anywhere, what would I look for in terms of extraterrestrial architecture or indications or machinery or signs? That was the conversation we had that night. And this was well before Apollo 8. So those guys went back to the Apollo 8 crew and they told them what to look for. And if you're pre-loaded, pre-sprung you know, uh, to look for ruins, if you don't think they're totally out of the ballpark and they're, they're, they'll never see any, once you understand it's possible, then when you see it, you'll, you'll recognize it. Given how much evidence I have in our own files of ruins on the moon, the idea that Apollo 8 went and did not see ruins and report back and change everything in NASA secretly – I, I cannot imagine could have happened without there being huge internal political ramifications of every astronaut who went to the moon came back and said, damn it, there's ruins. So what did NASA do? I have evidence that they literally subjected the astronauts to a form of brainwashing to where they did not remember what they really saw and 
they basically recited a script. You know, we had a timeline, we had a mission, we did core samples, we took photographs, we stopped the station G, we went to Black Rock, you know, this kind of thing. And all evidence of what they really saw has vanished into, into the memory hole of history because it was taken from their minds. Against that backdrop, where is NASA in the House hearings? I'm sorry. Uh, I, I'll be honest with you. I can't follow all that, Dick. <laughs> I just can't. Uh, let's see if we can center this for a second. Look, we, the first hearing since 1968 is going to take place in two days. Starts at 10 a.m. Uh, in the uh, Senate Intel Subcommittee, right? They call it the 3C. Counterterrorism. No, 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 no. No, it's the House Committee. No. I mean the House. I'm sorry. Yeah. The House, the House uh, Intel Subcommittee for Counterterrorism, uh, Counterintelligence, and Counterproliferation. Right. Now, I looked at the C-SPAN schedule. I do not see that hearing on the schedule yet. Uh, As I said yeah. last night, on the air, I said it maybe it's the weekend and it's Tuesday and you know Monday will be a new day and new week and people will come in and they'll type in new schedules and all. NASA does that. They never change anything during the weekend. So maybe C-SPAN is not – but I can't imagine this hearing taking place and C-SPAN not covering it live. Do you know we'll find out soon. We'll find out soon enough. We know that it's being covered on gov.tv with a house.tv uh, channel. Uh, it's okay. It's also uh, going to be live on YouTube. Uh, Do we have these links posted so people can go quickly to them on the other side of midnight? Just send them to Keith and he'll put them up. I, I don't. I don't have them handy. I, look, all you have to do is do uh, just do a Google on how to watch UAP hearing, and I assure you, a number of links come up. And uh, I, I imagine even now there's some decisions being made within certain news organizations: do we cover it? Do we not cover it? They're probably going to test the waters uh, over the next 24 hours, but uh, they, they will be. I know on YouTube for sure uh, there is a YouTube channel that is covering it live, and I forget who's behind that channel. It might be government, but everybody can watch. Tell you what, hold it. We are blowing past a break of the bottom of the hour. I don't like doing that, so you can pause and collect your thoughts and maybe try to reconstruct what I just tried to tell you, which was not that unclear. And maybe I'll do it again after the break. You're on the other side of midnight. My guest tonight, my sole guest, is the one guy on the planet that I would trust to tell me what's going to happen at these hearings the moment the hearings begin. And then I hope and I think all bets are off. In the background, that's the Ukrainian national anthem. You know where our sentiments lie. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return.
listening to the first hour of The Other Side of Midnight. Be sure to catch our complete live show every Saturday and Sunday night at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, for a full three hours of this kind of exploration. And be sure to visit theothersideofmidnight.com as you listen so you can follow our special Radio with Pictures guest page simultaneously. The Kinsia, our hardworking producer, specifically prepares to illustrate the topics discussed each show. Why? Because there is vital additional information on that Radio with Pictures guest page that I assure you will immeasurably enhance your understanding and enjoyment of what our guests are describing. I mean, would you rather listen to a guest talk about NASA images of ancient artifacts on Mars or simultaneously be able to follow the official NASA images showing you, as you're listening, the ruins? If you'd like to listen at your convenience to all our shows, including our unique Radio with Pictures feature, please visit theothersideofmidnight.com and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. Okay, what do you get with your Club 19.5 membership, besides helping the show literally stay on the air? Well, first of all, you will exclusively, this is not available to the general public, enjoy our enhanced ad-free podcast, courtesy of Chris Bell automatically downloading all the latest The Other Side of Midnight shows directly to your favorite podcast device so you can listen when you want to. Further, as a full Club 19.5 member, you will gain exclusive access to our The Other Side of Midnight 24-7 chat server, what I can't help calling the Open Hailing Frequencies Room, which is available only to members 24-7. Now, during the show, that's where you will find other 19.5 members and sometimes even members of the bridge crew, my guests, and even me uh, when I have time. Regardless, you can always relay live questions to me during the show just by going to the open hailing frequencies room. Of course, when we're not on the air with your 19.5 membership, you can visit our club 19.5 radio archives anytime and download all our shows directly to your computer which will automatically provide you a screen size that allows you to really examine the remarkable images Kinthea posts for each show. Okay, here's where I need to get kind of super serious. Club 19.5 is how our show is currently solely supported. In my hopefully not vain attempt to keep commercials to a minimum, if you're concerned about keeping us on the air, If you want to hear information that has been vetted far more than perhaps any other show, the best way to ensure that is to join Club 19.5 and get your friends and family to join too. And if you don't know already, when I drop by open hailing frequencies, you can even ask me directly what the ultimate meaning is behind 19.5, literally the most exclusive club in the world. Please join me and my interesting guests on this very stream every Saturday and Sunday night at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, and be sure to come back and listen to our live three-hour shows. Thanks for listening, and now, back to the show. To telepath messages through the vessel, no. Please close your eyes 
and concentrate with every thought you think upon the recitation we're about to sing. Calling occupants of interplanetary craft. Calling occupants of interplanetary most extraordinary craft. And welcome back, everyone, on this Sunday night, on this uh, May 15th, 2022. My guest tonight is uh, Steve Bassett, and we're discussing something that uh, neither one of us, I think, really, really deep down thought would maybe happen in our in our uh, lifetime. And that is the beginning of official discussion on Capitol Hill by members of the Intelligence Committee, specifically a subcommittee on counterintelligence, which kind of tells you the kind of intelligence we're dealing with in terms of the UAP phenomenon. Anyway, back to Steve. Steve, what do you think is going to happen? And kind of go through it chronologically, because I want to get to the point where I ask the key question, which is, how do we, the American people, how do we intervene? So please, uh, please begin. The the reason that we have not had a uh, a, a congressional hearing in the last 54 years is that considerable effort was made to ensure that it didn't happen. There have been numerous attempts to get some hearings on the subject from different angles, different people, some higher up people, some lower level, and all of them failed. And the reason for that is that the managers of the truth embargo knew full well that if legitimate witnesses, particularly military witnesses, were actually Get before, get before a congressional committee, take an oath uh, with the cameras turning, and answer questions about this issue, the extent to whatever they know or had seen or done, the truth embargo would collapse pretty quickly. So it simply could not happen. And they were quite successful. However, as we know, in 2017, something, a major change occurred. Uh, people came forward. Extraordinary information was provided to the New York Times. We learned about the uh, events of the Nimitz, and Roosevelt, and all of that. In the last five years, we have seen an unprecedented increase in, in the public interest and awareness and coverage of this issue, uh, made even more uh, expansive because the, the world of social media uh, and, and means to communicate worldwide are just simply grown along with it. So this issue now is completely embedded in the whole social media Milieu, including websites, uh, podcasts, uh, 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 all kinds of uh, social media such as Twitter and Facebook and everything. It's everywhere. So it's, and it's never going to go away. That's one thing about the, the Internet. You do something, <laughs> say something on the Internet, it's never – you're going to live with it the rest of your life. It will live forever. So, so un, 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 not surprisingly uh, – and, and, and for this, I, I assign the, the, the most credit to – Louis Elizondo and Christopher Mellon, who, who I think set out with a very clear agenda to get congressional hearings and do the necessary things to make that possible. It's not like you just call somebody up and say, I think I want to have a hearing. Uh, it took a couple of years for them to lay the groundwork. Um, might have taken less time, but we've been through some rather difficult and extraordinary times. And as this process uh, moved forward with, with people on the Hill being briefed and 
uh, coverage from the New York Times, the Washington Post. Before you know it, some politicians for the first time, frankly, in a significant way, <laughs> decided to step into this issue. The first one that was most notable was Marco Rubio. He had been briefed, as, as the other members of the Senate Intel Committee had been briefed, uh, but he was the one that stepped forward and said, okay, we're putting some language in the next appropriations bill, uh, intelligence appropriations bill, calling for certain things to be done with respect to this issue. It was a big deal, got a lot of attention. Well, this was when Rubio and the Republicans were in charge, and they could make those decisions. Well, he, as, as the, yeah, he was committee chair, uh, but he didn't have to make that decision. He didn't have to do anything. But he had he the capability to. if he chose to. If he chose to, and he chose to. Well, and do we know why? Why of all senators, Mark Rubio, other than the fact that he represents Florida, which is NASA, space station, space, et cetera? Uh, only he knows. Uh, I don't think he's been asked that question. Uh, if I had to speculate, it would be, it would be because Rubio is a very smart man. He wants very badly to be president. And he saw this as an issue of huge importance, which was nonpartisan. It could be engaged and thrust him forward uh, and actually might be an asset to his future political uh, uh, prospects. Uh, I tried to get the message across to, you know, in what way I could to Hillary Clinton that if she had really engaged this issue properly, she, she would have enhanced her prospects. She'd have been president, but they, they weren't listening. But he did it. Uh, other other members of Congress also made some statements. And, and again, th- this has not happened before like this. You had Mark Walker. He, he's former congressman, but he spoke on it. Um, and then uh, Ruben Gallego and Andre Carson and what have you. So all of a sudden, this issue is in play. Didn't Senator and- Gillibrand, who's a very bright Democrat, make a really big noise from New York about the same thing? She was number two. Rubio, Mark Warner, who was the co-chair and ranking member when Rubio made his move, had said a few things, nothing much. And then Mark takes over. He kind of steps back. He doesn't really engage the issue. It's like I'm the chairman now. Rubio has put his marker down. But the Democrats weren't going to sit on their hands. And so not not surprisingly, another very important senator on the Senate Intel Committee, Gillibrand, she steps forward and says, okay. I'm putting some language in this year's bill. So now you've got two senators on the Senate Intel uh, Committee who have both put language into two separate bills, two different years. They put their markers down, and that was a very big deal. Okay. But where is the House here? Okay. Well, Ruba Diego is a House member, and he decided to speak out on this issue, meaning, okay, the Senate's important, but so are we. I think for him. he's a representative from here in New Mexico. It's very possible. I think he is. So I think he's a Democrat. Yeah, he is. Uh, and uh, Tim Burchette stepped into it. But one of the people that spoke out was Andre Carson. Now, the reason that Andre Carson uh, was significant is that he and uh, – he and – and, uh, uh, and, and, uh, uh, and Mark Warner are the only two committee chairs that have spoke to this issue, ah. right? And it's only the committee chairs that can call a hearing. Exactly. All right. Now, I'm not surprised that Rubio – Well, there's Warner. another well, process, but it's very complicated and it never works. So, uh, uh, Yeah, I think you're right. So uh, 
clear. I, I can understand why Mark Warner would not have called a hearing because a hearing, uh, uh, the calling of a hearing by the Senate Intel would have been a bomb. Yeah. I mean, it would have been a nuclear bomb. And and there are some problems in the world right now. We still have extreme political turmoil. We've got a uh, a scary war in the Ukraine, uh, and the and the the intel committees on both House and Senate are kind of busy because intelligence uh, is a rather significant aspect of this war in the Ukraine. See, this is my biggest question, Stephen, and I couldn't wait to get you on the phone to ask you obvious what's in everybody's mind. The planet is going to fucking hell in a handbasket, and we're not broadcast we can edit that out if we need to in southern california we've got a planetary pandemic that's killed 15 plus million people we're talking 100 million infections in the u.s alone between now and and, and christmas we're looking at a world war three with a with an idiot who is apparently got blood cancer and who's surrounded by a bunch of generals that want to get rid of him and as a paroxysm could all plunge us into you know, what was it? Einstein said World War Four would be fought with rocks. So we're looking at huge dynamics. So, oh, social abortion, Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is about to declare half of humans on Earth in the United States non-human, not persons, not people, not real robots to be controlled by, by the other half of the human race. We are looking at huge problems and then tucked into as a kind of a footnote, we've got this hearing that no mainstream network or mainstream uh, newspaper has even presaged, kind of sliding in between the sheets, almost like nobody's going to notice. So I want to ask you, what the hell is planned for 10 o'clock Tuesday morning? I'm getting there. Okay. Um, Just want people the... to know what the background is here, because this is not normal. So the, none of this is normal. So the question was, the issue is now in play. Con- members of Congress are speaking to it. It's getting plenty of attention on the Internet. It's not going to go away. Who was going to make the first move for hearings? The issue of hearings has been on the table for some time, going well back. Everybody knows that's where we want to go. But well, remember I brought up a, a, the last half hour, Robin and I did the kind of – I wanted to show her what, what um, you know, lobbying looked like, and I chose the Department of Exterior to hang my hat on. One of the things that came out of that was one of those congressmen, very prominent congressman, wanted his picture taken with me and Robin, of course, Robin. And during the photo session, he said, and you know, Mr. Hopeman, in this southern drawl, he said, when we have hearings on UFOs, we're going to call you. We're going we're to have you here. Never, phone has never rung. So this has been a perennial, you know, Lucy in the football for decades, which is why I keep being bemused, Steve. We're sitting here 48 hours away talking about something that could change, finally, history. It's going to, it's going to be significant. Um, without question, wow. but not as significant as some people may think. Well, wait, wait, hang on, hang on. Let me interrupt again. What if that's dependent on us? What we do? Because one of the first lines in your bio, Mr. Bassett, is activist. So, as the activist is sitting there, what as an activist would you encourage this audience to do to make this a mainstream cause celeb? Which oh, it's it is already mainstream. It's already a mainstream cause. What I, at this point, what I would say is find out where the thing you can watch it and watch it. That's the 
worst thing you want to do. Find out and watch it, right? Uh, more people to watch it, good. There'll be more people talking about it afterward. Is there anybody in Washington going to actually protest, demonstrate, you know, amplify the hearings by showing up? Well, I don't think you could amplify the hearings that way. In fact, probably be disruptive. We're, uh, we're actually winning right now, and sometimes when you're winning, you just need to step back and let yourself win talking about a very complex process and I'm trying to give people the sense of, of why what is about to happen is happening. And the principal reason is, is that one of the members of Congress that decided to step into this issue, and there have been a number now, and they're on the record. You can find the articles about it. Andre Carson was a committee chair, a subcommittee chair, right? But under an incredibly important committee. True, but a subcommittee, nevertheless. And so it made sense to me that Andre uh, wanted to maybe call a hearing, and I think that Adam Schiff said fine. Adam Schiff could not call that hearing, but a subcommittee of the Intel exactly could exactly, do that. Exactly, yes. All right? So it's, it's, it's kind of like a protocol. It's in the place where it should be. Now, why do I say that as a pacifist? <laughs> you know, why should we look – so the first official lenses of government at the UFO situation, the ET situation, with security eyes, why should we do that? For a very pragmatic reason, Stephen. Let's see if you agree with me. Because that's the only damn way we're going to get anybody's attention. Yeah, that's the political basis that has to take place. The members of Congress are not going to do something simply <laughs> unless somebody's hide is threatened and they're, you know, you know. Basically, persistence as a congressman or a senator if they have received to do nothing. So this is coming up as a security issue. Hmm. It's been a security-based from the get-go. Uh, it's been security-based from the day that uh, the Two of the Stars Academy announced, uh, from the time that the articles were put into play. Uh, a lot of people were concerned about that. I was not because I knew that the path to disclosure – had to go through Congress, and it needed the support of uh, the top journalism in the country. And if you're going to get the journalists and the politicians to address an issue, it's got to be on a platform that is politically appropriate and safe, right? Mm. With, and, and national security clearly is an appropriate platform. Uh, there's other little aspects to this. One of the reasons you keep hearing UAP, and it's referred to repeatedly <laughs> in these articles, they even talk about UAP, formerly known as UFO. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons that's so important, one of the reasons that we worked very hard to try to get that term at least accepted, it's going to take forever for it to completely replace UFO. But it's been, it's been mentioned a couple of times that it is a lot safer and more comfortable for a White, uh, uh, for a White House or a DOD spokesperson like Admiral Kirby or uh, you know, Ashley Parker, the uh, Washington Bureau Chief of the Washington Post, or a member of Congress to refer to this subject as UAP <laughs> than UFO. Okay? Shakespeare is spinning in his non-existent grave. Anyway. And, and that language is important. And the, the term UFO, like many terms that we are familiar with that have been associated with issues or people or what have you that have become uh, bastardized and degraded and corrupted and demeaned uh, in service to generally a fairly negative perspective – and then it's, you don't use them in polite company. There are plenty of terms like that. Believe me, to use one of those in, in, in the wrong time and you pay a price. UFO is an example of one of those terms. 
it, it is so so corrupted in, in the minds of the general public by the, uh, uh, the, the the faming that it has gotten and the ridicule has been heaped on it that just saying the word completely almost ends the subject right there. It ends the discussion. We needed to get rid of that term and replace it with something that didn't carry all that baggage. UAP does not carry that baggage, and now it is being used. All of this is in service to being able to get people who are very concerned about their jobs and their future and their careers in the next election or journalists that are afraid of concerned about their jobs and so forth. And everybody wants to be viewed as serious and nobody wants to have, have anything attached to them that could be inappropriate. We're trying to make it possible for those people to get involved. And by and large, that has happened. They are engaged. They are talking about it. Uh, and the question is, where does it go? Now, I had a pretty good idea where it was going to go, but that was before, you know, good old Omicron showed. I mean, uh, a Corona showed up, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and 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 at the point that that look might like it might be moving forward, uh, uh, Ukraine showed up. All right, uh, and also in the middle there was an insurrection and uh, unbelievable political stuff and a billion lawsuits. So, I, I mean, I, I realize I, we know where we're going and we know what we need to get there. But history doesn't care. <laughs> it's like the virus doesn't care about our politics or our religion or how much we know or don't know about science. History's the same way. You may want this and you may want that, but things happen. It's a big, complicated world. And so we, this has had to move forward in giving deference to the historical realities. And one of those historical issues recently was could we have a nuclear uh, act action in the Ukraine? Could he use a tactical nuke setting us up to – probably turning us into DEFCON 3, DEFCON 2. Yeah, absolutely. So, but Carson made the decision to go forward. And uh, Well, hang on, I, hang on, hang on. Don't you find that as I do in riveting? Given that you and I are kind of political creatures and we've spent more time than the average human should in Washington, I know that the first imperative of Congress is to do not raise your head if it's going to get shot off and the overwhelming opinion and public sentiment now is with Ukraine. It's with the $40 billion that Rand Paul hung up for a few days for some mm, stupid-ass reason. It's for the humanitarian suffering you're seeing on television screens of all these people every night. You know, Every constituency, every congressman is getting thousands of calls. It looks like it's a pretty solid line of Republicans, Democrats supporting Ukraine. And then in the middle of this, it's like, who ordered this? Under that committee, which kind of is the umbrella of national security for the Congress? The answer, the best answer I could give is this, that uh, first of all, a number of members have spoken to the issue with no negative consequences. In fact, with actually some pretty positive consequences, positive uh, results. Okay, they're not getting negative feedback from the people back in their districts and their estate. And so it was looking safer and safer. Um, the media was covering it in, uh, in an intelligent way. So put a, if we put the Ukraine, Ukraine aside, all right, and some of the other issues we're dealing with, it would have been a no-brainer to do this. Why did he do it? I, I, there's a couple reasons. And one of the um, – Well, has he said anything? Has any reporter yeah, yes. asked him? I've actually got quite a few quotes. Excellent, there. excellent. Uh, uh, he, he, and he said a number of things. One of the things he said is – This is the chairman now, the congressman. This I think is he's from Andrew Indi- Carson. Is he from Indiana? Indiana, yes. Okay, who is the chairman uh, of the subcommittee 
on basically counterterrorism under the House, Counter Intelligence, House Intelligence Committee under Adam Schiff. So we know where the players are. Okay. That's right. He says, I've gotten some chuckles, meaning from some people that learned that he called this, but it's something I'm passionate about, and I think I can take the heat, Mr. Carson said. This may be the very thing that brings Democrats and Republicans together, oh. at least for an hour or two. Oh, my. Now, this is a very significant statement. That's a brilliant. And he, I have talked he, about there. this. For he's there. Guys. He gets it. He's there. Good grief, I have Steve. Talked about, you need to take him to dinner. Talked, I have talked about this for years, that going back, I would say about 20 years now, that the – Democracy that we cherish took a wrong turn. Uh, it happens. Uh, and this was a nasty turn. And the result of this was the bifurcation and hyper-partisanization of American politics to the point of being uh, inert, immune, uh, immune uh, inert, uh, non-functioning. We can't get anything done. And, and naturally, when you can't get anything done, the people get more unhappy. And if they get more unhappy, they put more pressure on their politicians who then feast on that and continue to play this hyper-partisan game on every single issue. And uh, things are pretty much going to hell. And then when something big happens, whether it's a pandemic or a war or anything else, uh, they can't respond to it because government's not functioning in this United 30 States. Seconds. People are getting that. Steve, hey, let's, let's hold it anymore. there, okay? We're at the bottom yeah. of the hour. Don't yeah. want to miss our cues anymore. My guest this morning is Steve Bassett. We're, we're diving deep into why now. We have one brave congressman out of Indiana who, in the midst of a global pandemic and a potential thermonuclear war, suddenly is saying that UFOs, UAPs, are important, as reported by the U.S. Navy and the security establishment of the U.S. government. And he wants to talk about them now. And then he says, on the record, maybe this is the one thing, or maybe just an hour, that can bring both of us, Republicans and Democrats, together. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the reason any of this is important because unless we are together on this issue, the human race may not be for very much longer. Here on the other side of midnight, my name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return. Midnight.com. 
tuned to listen to Richard C. Hogland and his fascinating guests. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. Listen to past episodes anytime on any device. Search the archives of over 180 episodes. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Support the broadcaster to provide you with the most interesting conversation available. Talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. The other side of midnight.com. Welcome back, everybody, on this Sunday night, May 14th, 2022. My guest this morning is Stephen Bassett, and we're discussing from top to bottom the history and potential of this fragile thing that's going to be born in Washington in just two days, the first congressional hearing, official hearing in a counterintelligence committee. So you know the Congress is serious. This is about national security. And they're going to be talking about UAPs. Steve, take us back. Yeah, we're talking about Carson and why he would have done this and the fact that he made the statement that this is one issue that could bring Democrats and Republicans together. I've been talking about this for 20 years, that this is an issue that could bring uh, Democrats and Republicans together. It is nonpartisan. It's very difficult to find a partisan aspect of it. And we desperately need some common ground because the politics has become virtually non-functional. Things are not getting done, and the American people are just getting angrier and angrier uh, by the minute. He is, to my knowledge, the only member of Congress, sitting member, that has ever brought that up. The closest thing to Mm. that was, in fact, brought up by not a member of Congress, but a president of the United States. And that was the three or four times that uh, Ronald Reagan, uh, in front of the U.N. and elsewhere, uh, made a point that uh, wouldn't the world come together? It wasn't referring about Democrats and Republicans. He's talking about the nations of the world, particularly these superpowers, the nuclear powers. Would they not come together in common purpose if, in fact, they faced an extraterrestrial threat? Okay, so this is not a common thing, and he just he just put it out. Now, the other reason I think it happens is this. Uh, oh, the other one of the, one of the other reasons. I think that most people would probably literally be stunned if somehow a secret poll could be taken of every member of Congress without getting into staffers as to whether do you think this is phenomenon is extraterrestrial. I think the number would be large and stunning. And so you have a whole lot of people on the Hill that, yeah, they know it's extraterrestrial, but so what? That is, that's not what's important. What are you going to do about it? How are you going to move forward and within the context of running the United States and dealing with foreign issues? So he has to make a calculation. 
And he knew this. He knew that, one, there had already been a number of, of specific steps that were taken by Rubio, by Gillibrand, now by Gallego. Gallego put language in the House bill, okay, mm-hmm. three bills that have gotten language from three different members of Congress that that uh, office uh, projects have been set up over at the Pentagon. People have been assigned, been plenty of news coverage of this. And then the uh, the uh, uh, the uh, airborne op- uh, object identification and management synchronization program gave a report to Congress. Right. I think it was classified. Pretty sure it was. Uh, and they weren't thrilled about it. They thought it was a little thin uh, and they said so. Okay. In other words, you give us a report. Yeah, we want more. Doesn't surprise me at all. And so that is that is very normal. It's the kind of thing that's supposed to happen. They give a report. And so it'd be totally appropriate for a committee that would like to know more about that report, which is part of function that has been legally sanctioned, uh, to come on in and testify. And so he knew that it was a perfectly appropriate thing to do. All right. Then the question is. And, and then the, and the and then I would add that the Ukraine war was in its 70th day. Uh, we hadn't had a nuclear event yet. Don't don't you know, cross your fingers. Uh, it had been covered on the news, all the news channels relentlessly now for 70 days. I mean, we've just been overwhelmed with following that war. This is the first war in human history that was basically run like a Netflix series. I mean, we're watching it like a series, episode one, two, five, ten. We've got covers in every possible way, including people embedded in with their cell phones. And so he's thinking, look, maybe a little change of pace, mm. right? People might be, we might like this. And so he said, good, I'm going to call the hearing. Well, he's got nothing but positive responses so far. All right. Now, that gets us to the hearing itself. It is absolutely appropriate. He simply called in two key people that are involved and connected to or servicing the AOI MSG program, which was set up, by the way, by the DOD ahead of the timeline that was put in the bill by Gillibrand. They had a lot longer to do that. They actually preempted that and in November went ahead and created that well before the deadline that Gillibrand wanted. A lot of people were suspicious. This is the official office in the Pentagon Overseeing that was created yeah. that she wanted, right? And she put right. it in the bill and to be named later. And they could have waited and strung it out for a number more months, I think all the way to – I forget when. But they went ahead right away – in New June, rather. That, they went tell, ahead and put that together tells me and, at some level the fix is in. This is – we're on a pre-program no. track to somewhere. The question is, do we want to go where they're going? No, no I don't see fix. Um, you, know, you and I are very different how we perceive these things. You know that, Dick. But I don't see fix. What I see – is the Pentagon knows that where, where this is all going ultimately. And, That's what I mean. And, uh, it's like it's, again, a, it's a done deal. Not, Why let wait? Me finish. Let me finish. Uh, in the case of the initial report, the public report, which they were not thrilled to have to put out. They don't want to put out public reports on this issue. They waited till the very last day, June the 25th, to put <clears> that report out last year. But on this, but and then of course things move forward further and further. And, and in other words, the, the game's afoot, and they know that. And so, by putting the thing together immediately and not waiting for the deadline, this was their way of conveying back to the American people and to the members of Congress, we're on board here. I we're just not, said that the fix is in. No, that, we're, I'm, we're I'm, both I'm, on I the same gonna, page. You don't like the I word am fix. Not going to support that assumption, Dick. You can say it twenty times. Well, given that I'm saying it and you're not, my position is yes. This is all, this has all been been greased. It's not an accident that we wound up here in the middle of a fucking war 
talking about UFOs that most people on the planet, if you ask them, if you woke them up at the 3 o'clock in the morning, I don't care whether they're presidents or senators or military people, they'll say there's no relationship to the security of the United States, so why are we doing this now? This guy, this, this one congressman seems to understand, Stephen, and I don't want you to pass over it. It's the best of all possible reasons. It's the one thing that may bring this thing to a more speedy close. Bring what to a more speedy close? The announcement, the recognition, the grappling with the reality of the extraterrestrial presence. Would bring uh, – you mean this is what would help bring the, the issue the of the Russian West confrontation oh, Ukraine over Ukraine. War. Ukraine war. You don't have any, very many big wars that are going to go thermonuclear tonight. You know, keep focus. We got one. And why am I saying that? It sounds hyperbolic because Putin himself keeps saying it. This yeah, is very dangerous. Too. I'm kind of aware of that. I'm actually following it very closely. Look, I do not – you know, Carson has not been asked this question. Uh, he may never get asked this question. What, what, if any way, did the current war in the Ukraine affect your decision to call this now as mm. opposed to six weeks from now? I don't know. But there is a potential connection there, and I'll get to that. But it's, a, it's from a different, a different angle than what you're talking about right okay. now. All right. But whatever the point, he assessed the, he assessed the situation and, and did it. But again, because of the re- – it was, it was, it was not it, – it wasn't a forced measure in a way. They, they, uh, they, they had given a report to Congress. Congress had reacted to it, some disappointment. The idea of a committee calling a, a hearing was totally, totally reasonable. So in that sense, it was it's not forced. So he calls it. All right. Two people are going to uh, uh, come in and testify. That's pretty limited hearing. And they're going to be testifying about the AOI MSG program. Uh, uh, may answer questions about the briefing that they provided. Uh, was there, should, could there be more? Uh, how is it going, right? Uh, do I think are, are these people that are staffers or director of the actual new office, or no, they... no, these are two of the highest level people involved? Okay, you've got the deputy director of um, of the Navy, right? Navy intelligence. Okay, and then you've got the undersecretary of deputy undersecretary of defense for uh, intelligence and security. They are dealing with this issue at the very highest level. Mm. There's about four or five people that are at the top. So this is to introduce right. to the American people and the world the institutional government backdrop for handling this question from now on. I, I, I don't know if they're introducing it. I, I, they're, be, they're not being called in to do a show and tell. They're being called in to ask questions about how things have been going since they set it up. Uh, any, any concerns that the committee has about things that might have been left out, uh, where are they going? Uh, and so in that sense, it should be relatively – I, I can't imagine it getting contentious. Uh, and, and for those that are watching it, I, I, here's what you want to look for. All right, one, are the members of this committee conducting themselves professionally? Uh, is there any posturing? Is there any silliness? Uh, certainly, is there any by part, any partisanship, anything like that? Are they trying to trying to cast any question in a quote Republican or Democratic way? Uh, you want to look for any eye rolls of any kind from anybody, <laughs> uh, humor of any kind. There might be a touch of humor. I'd be very oh, it's, uh, it's so hard to deal with the subject anymore without a touch of humor. Well, it's always been it's hard. Been, it's been baked that, in. 
well, I know the truth embargo thrived on that, but yep. that, that's changing, right? Believe me, I've seen a lot of interviews of a lot of politicians, and believe me, they, they, they almost go out of their way to avoid uh, the humor. But there's, you know, it can always get a little. So there might be a little of that from some of the members. I would be surprised if either Moultrie or uh, Gray uh, drop any jokes. That would be a mistake on their part. So you want to look for that. And I think it will come off as informative, interesting, no bombshells. But here's what's most important about it. The marker has been laid down. Okay. In 2013, I went through a lot of trouble and pain and suffering and spent a lot of money to, to hold the citizen hearing on disclosure, which is 30 hours. This will be about two hours. This is a 30-hour hearing, 42 witnesses, to try to show what hearings would be like even large-scale hearings to Congress, to break the ice, right, to take some of the, the fear out of it. Uh, and it, may, it had some impact, I suppose. This will – Well, it would have had far more if 9-11 hadn't then conveniently happened. No, that, that's, 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 that's Greer stuff in 2000. I'm talking about the citizen hearing on disclosure in oh, okay, okay. 2013. Um, but, of course, what happened was the election and weird things. But the point is, is that this literally does break the ice. He, 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 by doing this, he has given the congressional imprimatur on the idea that this is a matter for hearings, for testimony, for witnesses under oath. It is the proper oversight of the Congress, and now any other committee chair right, can uh, uh, reasonably, if it's appropriate, depending upon historical circumstances, call for a hearing uh, about this issue as it relates to whatever their, their – their committee is doing hmm. now the two we're most interested in are the house intel and the senate intel okay now the interesting thing about that is that adam schiff is the chairman of the intel committee above the house 3c committee right and uh hang on just a second uh, what i'm looking for here is he gave an extensive quote i'm gonna see if i've got it hmm. uh Okay. Well, he had to give permission okay. for the hearing, so he has to be involved at some level. I, I don't know if he has to give permission or not. I, I don't know if a subcommittee chair can do it on their own or not. I'm going to guess they can. I don't think they need permission, but I, I'm not positive. Anyway, here is a statement from The Independent in the UK. Representative Adam Schiff, chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, was similarly enthusiastic about having the opportunity to bring this subject historically shrouded in mystery to the public next oh, week. Now, you see – Adam Schiff doesn't have to do that, but he did. All of right? course not, because he's up to his eyebrows in Ukraine. Yeah. And, and javelins did. and air defenses. I mean, this is so out of – it's like he went out of his way to do that. Well, let me go on. He continues. The purpose of this hearing is to give the public an opportunity to hear directly from subject matter experts and leaders in the intelligence community on one of the greatest mysteries of our time. <laughs> And to break the cycle of excessive secrecy and speculation oh with my. truth and transparency, added the California Democrat to the statement. I'm grateful to Congressman Carson for his continued leadership and push for transparency on this issue. What Schiff has just said, I totally support the concept of hearings. And when I am ready, you can be damn sure I'm going to call a hearing for the Intel Committee, not the subcommittee, mm -hmm. right? And, I, and I'm backing up Carson, giving him uh, 
uh, cover in case anybody decides to take a shot at him. Nobody has. Mm-hmm. And so now we've got Adam Schiff, the chairman uh, of the House Intel Committee. Basically, on the record, I'm good with this. We've got the former chairman of the Senate Intel Committee, Rubio Committee, saying, yeah, I'm down with this. And we've got Gillibrand down with this. And Mark uh, Warner has also made some statements which are essentially supportive of, yeah, okay. So uh, the the prospect of the real hearings, the next level of hearings, looks extremely good depending upon the outcome. Uh, I was going to say, isn't it totally dependent on – is every question answered? It's kind of like that old Carson routine. You know, every possible theoretical question has been posed, that kind of nonsense. What is going to be Schiff's excuse to take it to the next level? There's got to be something in this well, he, hearing. I don't, I don't think he needs an excuse. He, he is per, Remember, he and the entire House and Senate intel committees were briefed by Mellon. They were briefed by witnesses, right. including witnesses from the, from the Nimitz case. That was two years ago, right? They've all been now been given two briefings, two classified briefings from the uh, – But, but the hang, on, hang on. If, if this was already at the shift level, why would the subcommittee be holding – the subcommittee is like the foyer. It's like does it have – there is enough there there to warrant a full committee concentration on this as a potential problem to add to the list. I would it's think – I it's would think time. there has to be something that comes out of the hearing Tuesday – that gives him an excuse to go with the next step. He doesn't need an excuse. This is about protocol and timing, okay? Given the fact that there's heavy things going on in the world right now, it would be inappropriate for the intel committees to make the first move. And so Andre Carson, who's already stepped into the issue and is, a, is an appropriate subcommittee, uh, he makes the first move. He may have been asked to make the first move. Clearly, uh, Adam Schiff has made it clear he's perfectly happy with that mm-hmm. because it's it's – it's it's um, what's the word I'm like? It's a uh, it's it's kind of a confidence builder. It's a more tempered response. It's appropriate. It's clearly not contentious, and it's a good way to get the ball rolling. Well, now. it's called testing the waters. If you do this, and no Republicans come after Schiff's balls, then the, you go to the next level. If this really well, is a, a a subject that brings people together. I don't think he's worried about that, Dick, because, hell, the first person to take major action was was Republican Rubio, presidential candidate, when he was the head of the, the intel. Everything committee. else that in not, this government is incredibly contentious, everything. This is great. All right. Now, when would we have uh, 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 the next level hearings and the next level hearings? Well, before we get to that, I want to ask this very important question, which is why I wanted you on tonight. What can we do? With the membership of this subcommittee in the form of emails that will give them interesting questions they may not think on their own to even ask at this point. Chris Mellon has indicated that he has submitted a number of questions to them, uh, to, to the committee, probably to Carson, and that's fine. Uh, I we I would recommend look folks we're, you're, this this is a good this is a win for us sit back and enjoy it you don't want to press all right we're winning be a good winner um, there's going to be more hearings how do you know how do you know it's inevitable no it's not nothing's inevitable politics is all about decisions look at Putin right. it was not inevitable that Putin should almost move us into World War III it was his decision or whoever's pressuring him. The fact that I'm looking at one hearing 
and it's going to contain two witnesses, and it's got an opening, a closing, and a middle, and there's no other possibility of other hearings unless there's a reason. And I'm looking for what the mainstream reason is for shift to take it to the next level. The reason for the hearings is because quite a few members of Congress have been given substantial briefings on the UAP issue, and the Congress is probably more informed than ever in all of history. Okay. And it's a major issue. It's being covered by every major newspaper in the United States. And so that's all the reason they need. However, all right, again, uh, let me recast my statement. The only thing that's going to prevent more hearings would be nuclear war, in which case we will not have hearings. Okay. And I'm willing to give 10,000 to one on <laughs> So God. $1, win 10,000. A deal. Why so would look, 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 in terms of just trend curves, you know, a hearing every 54 years is not a trend. What makes you think that after they've taken this hot potato that nobody wanted, they're going to go forward? As an activist, you should be looking for how it's going to get sabotaged so there is only one hearing. You know, Dick, as a 26 year old activist on this issue, I'm comfortable with. My I will activist. match my activist credentials to yours any day of the damn week. Okay. And right, the then. fact that I put my life into this for the last fifty some years—that's true. If no, I am, no, if I am, right, if, if right. I am apprehensive that something will go wrong, and this gets submerged under Ukraine or under the Putin coup that I've heard talked about now the last couple of days, because of distractions. Remember, unless it has a news focus. People are so easily distracted, it's not at the top of their list of things they have to worry about. Gas is. Food is. Uh, first of all, let me acknowledge the fact that, yeah, you've been in this field twice as long as I have. Uh, so I, I, I apologize. Um, look, I, I just – I'm not concerned about uh, more Just hearings. tell me why you're not concerned. I don't want to be because hyperbolic. I just want to know what's the plan B. Everything that has happened over the last five years has been leading towards hearings, and, it's, and that's exactly what's happening. And this hearing is simply nothing but an icebreaker. And so the idea that they're going to hold a hearing, bring two people in, and then say, well, look, we don't need to talk about this anymore. No. You've got too many people that are already on the record, right, uh, on this. And so the idea that they're not going to be asked questions. Now, admittedly, Ukraine could take an ugly turn, and if it does, it will delay things. No question about it. I assure you, if a tactical nuke gets used in the Ukraine uh, theater, that anybody wanting to call a hearing on uh, well, you, know, you the understand next that what, what Putin could do is to light off one of his own and then blame us, and he'd have his war with NATO that he desperately needs to stay yeah. in power with the Russian people. Any, anything like that obviously would delay the hearing, uh, delay for future hearings indefinitely. Again, I can't, I can't, but that is not the same thing as there aren't a basis for further hearings. I think the basis for her is, is, is fully established, right? So if we do not have an extraordinary disruptive event, mm -hmm. obviously just a continuation of what we're seeing in Ukraine now may not be preventative because Carson has made his move, and I expect it's going to go very well. I think a lot of people are going to be thrilled to have something to, that's interesting and forward-looking to concentrate on besides the end of civilization. I don't know. But I'm, I'm confident that barring anything awful, the, the next level of hearings will come. Now, the next level of hearings is, is, is 
there may be one more hearing in which people from the DOD and from the program come in, maybe some other staffers, to provide some more context or something. And that that's certainly possible. It would be like a second round of the icebreaker. Um, so can't rule that out. And the time it, frame for that would be when? Because remember, June is January 6th day. Eight days of hearings, day and night, prime time as well. Nothing's going to get through that shield. Uh, that's, that's the other interesting point. Uh, the we're about to enter one of the most contentious election cycles, and we've had some pretty pretty big ones previously. So we're, this is going to be enormously contentious, perhaps very ugly election cycle. It's going to cost us usual uh, a couple of billion dollars, and we're not going to get better government. But the point is, is that it's going to be very it's going to be very unpleasant. Uh, okay, bad for everybody. All right, the Dems and the Republicans both lose when they're at each other's throats, trying to claw each other's eyes out. Mm. And so, you've got Republican and Democratic members of Congress and committee chairs. They're thinking, you know, if 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 I if we if I hold another hearing on this subject, this nonpartisan subject, and and the members of both parties can ask reasonably intelligent question intelligent questions. Is this a bad thing? Is it like people are going to rise up and say, well, if you're not throwing gavels at each other or you know, barfing up you know, sec- uh, you know, secretive language uh, <laughs> during the hearing, uh, we're not going to vote for you. I, I think they may look at this as, look, it's going to be awful as it is. Let's, let's at least have something happening that's nonpartisan, that's important to people, that will attract a lot of viewership so they can see us doing something besides trying to cut each other's throats. So I'm not so sure that uh, there might uh, be a window for two hearings in that. I, well, I, I, again, I, I, I'm not so sure these hearings could not continue on into the election cycle, into the primary debates. Oh, I wasn't no thinking of that I mean, in terms of more toward the fall. Yeah, I see that. But I'm thinking in terms of the total blackout, it's going to happen because of the you know, January 6th hearings. Again, the January 6th hearings are about extreme contention. Uh, they're, they're just going to be bad news. And so um, uh, the idea that they're, you know, you know, Congress can – Congress frequently may have 10 or 12 hearings going on at the same time. Uh, now, the one thing about that is if you here, – here is one thing that makes your point, is that if I'm a committee chair and I'm going to hold a hearing uh, at that point, I'm not, I mean, not going to get much coverage. And generally, they hold these hearings to be able to be seen, and, and uh, unless it's really a nuts and bolts kind of thing, uh, they, they want to be seen. They want the cameras on. So they, they might have to play it so that they don't totally directly compete, right? So we'll see how that goes. But you're right. That's going to suck up a lot of coverage, uh, and these are imp- the, the ET issue is probably even more important than January 6th, but you know, I'm biased as hell. Uh, so we'll see. But there's going to be – as we go forward, you're going to see the opportunity for a next hearing. It might just be a more nuts and bolts. But where we have to get to, of course, is the real deal. And that's when the witnesses, the military witnesses come in and testify, and I don't think they're going to be coming in at a subcommittee level. If, when they come up on the Hill to testify, it's going to be to one, one or both of the intel committees, which brings me to – Okay, hey, hold, hold it, hold it. We're at the bottom okay. of the hour. Bottom perfect the hour. place, okay. perfect place. Good. Teasing, teasing. My guest this morning, Stephen Bassett. We're trying to give you a background, a kind of a 3D radar background into what to expect 
out of these hearings? Is there going to be anybody announcing the human race is not alone? No. But will there be enough put on the table that there is a plausible reason in the midst of all these other enormous political distractions, which Steve said very accurately is coming down to the midterms and, you know, the end of 2022. And that determines so much of what could happen in 2024. I mean, we don't want to go there tonight. The ET issue, if the ET issue remains passive, that leads to one set of futures. But what if presence of this potentially interplanetary crisis? I mean, if nuclear war breaks out on Earth, if there's anybody else in the rest of the solar system, you know there are, they would not be happy. It would not leave them untouched. Anyway, so there may be reasons why, at higher levels, political interest in this subject now is not a diversion, but in fact is a prelude of other thinking and discussion behind the scene. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return. side of midnight.com Tune in to listen to Richard C. Hoagland and his fascinating guests. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350 episodes. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Support the broadcast that provides you with the most interesting conversation available. Talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. The other side of midnight.com. And welcome back, everyone, on this Sunday night. Coming up on Monday morning here in the Land of Enchantment, it is now 11.32 p.m. We're talking with Steve Bassett this morning, about two days ahead of something which might be the beginning of an historic, and I mean truly historic, history-changing trend. Beginning in 54 years of the first official congressional hearings on UFOs, now renamed UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. Steve? Hello? Mr. Vest? I had to mute on. I had to mute on. Sorry, I heard you. Uh, this is going to be on back. so many tombstones 
he forgot to unmute. Yeah, yeah, that's a good good one. Uh, and yeah, and they were trying to you know. They, so, yeah, um, exactly. Uh, you can fill in the rest. It's going to be fascinating to watch how the issue plays out in Congress throughout this very bizarre, uh, well, another bizarre year where one we have a war that could escalate to tragic proportions. Uh, the only other likely alternative is the deposing of, of uh, the leader of a nuclear country, right? Mm. That, that will create a rather interesting situation. We've got... Hang on, the, hang on, hang on. The one piece of good news that I really want to communicate to you in case you didn't catch it and to the audience, yesterday, or was it two days ago, for the first time in three months, the head of the U.S. military establishment, um, you know, the Secretary of Defense, talked with his counterpart in Russia for the first time in three months, and they had an hour-long conversation. Boy, to be a fly in the wall on that one. But the fact that they're now talking tells me that something is happening behind the scenes that they did not want our guys to misinterpret because they reached out and made the call after our guys have been trying for 90 days with no answers. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see where that goes. Um, but again, there's that. And then, of course, the pandemic, uh, which I'm following very closely, has, has not gone away. Has not gone away and could and has the potential to actually cause a lot of problems this year, though. We're so adapted to that now. I don't know that it really matters in terms of holding or not holding hearings. Uh, that doesn't mean there won't be problems. It doesn't mean it won't be an issue. But um, I don't. It's less of a hearing uh, a factor. But Ukraine is uh, the the status with Putin is, um, and uh, and then of course the election cycle more than anything. All right. Oh oh oh. That's two. And then three is the fact that uh, whether by intention or not, a whole bevy of both civil and criminal uh, actions are going to emerge uh, in. Uh, June, July, August. Yeah. Uh, and I think we know pretty much who the targets of all that are. And that, of course, is going to feed the partisanship big time, uh, even if we didn't have a, an election. So in that sense, it's going to be a very, very, very electric and in some ways <laughs> painful period. Now, so, but. The master of understatement. As I've said many times, if I'm, a, if I'm just a, a regular citizen and I have a little understanding, you know, I mean, it's hard not to know something about this subject. It's everywhere all the time. The, get, in, in all of that morass, to me, your voice quality has changed. Some, Something's happened to your mic? Uh, no, it just it fell off. The there thing. we go. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. In, in all of the things that we're anticipating this year, I, this idea that I might be able to turn on the television and, and watch – the Congress uh, may be interviewing witnesses, testifying about this issue, uh, getting more information from the DOD that ultimately, I mean, let's face it, it's fundamentally uh, not about are they a threat or not a threat. I can give you all kinds of quotes for this person and that person. The government has basically said they're not a threat, and the consensus is they're not a threat, but rather that they're, that they, that they're here. This idea that extraterrestrials are here, unless you are really kind of, how would you say, hypersensitive to extraterrestrials being here, 
offers such a range of possible outcomes, positive outcomes, extraordinary things that could unfold in the near and long term uh, that in the context of all this other awfulness, which is nothing but, you know, shite in the near term, I would I would want that. I would embrace that. Well, I would, I would agree with like you except for one problem. There's, there, as these hearings are about to begin, we know now from the previous briefings of Averill, it's uh, Hutchinson, right? She's the, the uh, uh, secretary? Haynes, April Haynes. Haynes. April, April Haynes. Anyway, she said they looked at 144 cases. That right there rang my chimes because it's a ritual number. So this is incredibly ritualistic from the get-go. Of those 144 cases, one was a balloon, 143 unknowns. Now, when confronting the question, is this a power on Earth, Iran, Russia, China, with a super technology that can beat us to pulp if they want to, or is it extraterrestrial beings? The discussion has been overwhelmingly, it's got to be some other guys on this planet because there are no ETs. How is that? that's it's, it's the, going the other way. It's going the other way. In fact, I can't. I can. I. I can't even tell you how many. I'm talking within. about the report that was released that they're going to be testifying on. That official. No, the official position was this is presumed to be terrestrial, but non-non-terrestrial, highly advanced technology. No, I. I'm sorry, Dick. But I. Uh, if you just this referring to the June 25 report, yeah, that's what I'm referring to. A year old. That if you if you will review it, uh, slightly ambiguous. But what they said, uh, I shall summarize, is that uh, we do not know if this is uh, off world or it's. Uh, we do not know if it's off world. What we know is. That the, this is advanced technology which we cannot explain. We do not have, and the, our foreign adversaries do not have. But we have no proof that in fact it is off-world. That is essentially what that report said. Now, since then, a number of others have said similar things. So people are coming out and saying pretty much similar things. Um, but there's one moment that I think stands out. Uh, just recently, just to give you an idea, and this is representative of where the politicians are going. Tim Burchett, a good old boy, nice guy, Republican congressman from Tennessee, gave an interview about four days ago on a pretty much right-wing news platform called News Nation. Uh, and one of the, the hosts was a gentleman by the name of Vittert. And the name of the show was – oh, boy – I'd have to – it's easy to find out. So he interviewed him about 15 minutes, and about five minutes into the interview, Vitter uh, says to him, he says, look, uh, the way I see it – I'm paraphrasing, but I'm pretty close. There's only three possibilities here. It's technology that the United States has developed that it's been testing and classified, but it, when we, when we, it's been tested and we've seen it, or it's technology that one of our adversary countries – has that they're testing and we are seeing, uh, or it is technology from somewhere else outside Earth. And within no, that, that's one it. second, Tim Burchett says it's number three. Now, is he a member of the committee? No, he's just another congressman that has ah. stepped into this issue. 
and he's being interviewed on a right-wing, uh, you know, a television program. Oh, okay, okay. Well, this is important. And he's, yeah, he's given yeah. three possibilities, and he instantly says it's number three. Now, what did he just do? He just did exactly the same thing that Bigelow did in May of 2017. There's extraterrestrials here. All right. So he is, you know. So um, what I'm trying to say is, that it may not be evident to 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 people that are outside of Washington or not able to watch the news 24 hours a day like I do because I don't have a life. The point is, <laughs> is that the consensus is building in Washington that this is extraterrestrial, right? Yeah, but that, that opens a doorway that to infinity. I don't know about infinity. And, and well, uh, look, politicians first mean? and first. You don't understand my similes. Interesting. Politicians, first and foremost, first rule is do nothing that will get you unelected. If you're championing a phenomenon that by definition is infinite, meaning extraterrestrials, the universe, ultimate physics and time and capability of travel and changing species and modifying entire galaxies, how can you not think that is unmodelable in terms of what's going to happen when you open that door if that's what you really believe is out there? I'm simply saying that the consensus is building that this is phenomenon is, is extraterrestrial. Uh, all those other possibilities, I suppose, they could get into, but they're not. They're not getting into that. They're just coming to a basic consensus. That's it, right? Uh, and that is very significant. And the other, the other thing that's significant is that as this consensus has been building, as statements have come out from one person after another, Radcliffe, Brennan, uh, Woolsey, members of Congress. Uh, and so forth, which are clearly supportive of the fact that there's really something here. And 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 usually the, the default position is we don't have that tech, which is the safe play. We don't have that tech. So unless another country has that tech and we have the best tech there is, with a very rare exception where maybe Russia gets ahead of us for a couple of months, uh, that only leaves one other possibility. And so there's a game being played. Nobody wants to go too far, and everyone's making a decision based upon whether the statement they make could be damaging. But clearly, it's not. I, I, I'm looking, I'm looking and watching for uh, the, the 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 trolling and the, the the feedback and the and skeptics coming out of the woodwork and trashing any of these people. No, not at all. In fact, it's a positive. This is a nonpartisan statement of enormous interest to the entire people on the planet that have been denied the truth. And any member of Congress that comes forward and says anything along the lines of maybe we, you do have a right to know, they're going, yeah, 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 thank you very much, right? And it's nonpartisan. And so the people that are saying thank you very much are Democrats, Republicans, and independents. And so as far as I'm concerned, this issue probably has the, a much better chance of getting a lot of intention, attention across party lines and across national lines, no matter how ugly the next seven months gets politically in this country, whether it's in the Congress with hearings, the lawsuits, the criminal suits, and you know people having to make perp walks. The point is all of that is crap. So, so is the, uh, the, the pandemic. That's awful. And the war in Ukraine is awful. This would be the one thing that's good. Now, Unless the spin is it's a threat. You're Again, assuming we'll you're going to talk we'll about the nine, you know, flower-giving aliens. You know, we want to be I your have, friends, Karen Carpenter. I played that Dick, for that reason tonight, okay? And Dick, if you go on my website, as you know, I've got 13,000 articles linked there of the coverage of this issue by mainstream media. 
and I'm, I'm putting up as fast as I can the articles about this hearing. I'll probably put up late tonight about 50 or so. Uh, I'm following the media on this very, uh, very closely. I, I, set up, the, I set up links under uh, your items to your website, and I'd like to talk to you about that because um, I was looking at a lot of the stuff and like the way your site is set up. And I, I like the uh, the memorial to those who came before. Um, and I was looking at the uh, variety of the different guys, and I said, I know this one. I've met this one. And, <laughs> and then I came across one, Frankie, uh, Frankie Rowe. Uh, she was a little girl during the Roswell incident, and she actually held the material in her hand, especially the foil that you could crumple up. And she said you drop it on the table, it would spread out like water and no crinkles or anything in it. And she said these military guys came in and told them, oh, you didn't see anything. And as a little kid, she says, yes, I did. And she, she defending what she did see what she did. Mm. And they made a statement about, well, it's a big desert out here. They, they never find your bones or something like that. That's right. And then her parents said, okay, you know, let, let it go. But she was telling her story, uh, and I had a recording of it at ABC, and I'm playing the tape, and I'm listening to her tell her story. And then I play the tape backwards, shuttling it backwards like with times one speed, and I get to this point where I hear her say, backwards, I just know to seed it. It's almost like she was talking Swedish or something, but I heard that, and I said she was telling the truth because a lot of these – backwards play playing somebody's uh, testimonies backwards. You can usually tell whether they're lying or telling the truth by what's said backwards. And if you can pick those things out. And I thought that was really interesting that um, here she is saying, you know, John David Oates talked about forward and backwards convergence. So that was one of the, it's kind of the basis of, of, of lie detectors, you know, inadvertent physiological changes in the body when you lie and if there are no changes, then there are ways for this, with the reverse speech to look for those cues. What I'm so intrigued with is she was threatened as a child, and it so stuck with her that she then made a recording decades later and told the truth. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they, they, they were serious back then. They did threaten. They whether were not deadly they serious. You don't, uh, threaten American, not... you don't threaten American citizens with murder and dispersal in the desert or you'll never be found unless you're deadly serious. Yeah, I've, I've talked with Don Schmidt about this. I, I've always wondered if, in fact, they would have gone through with it, but we'll never know. Uh, it depends on the bit. level of national security threat they perceived. I understand. I'm just saying that it's one thing to threaten. It's another thing to do it. But they, they, they clearly uh, were successful in, in, in quieting people. And I get back to the, to the, to the, the president here. Um, there is just there are so many statements out there from so many different people that if read read correctly point to the fact that an existential threat is not at the center of this it's not driving this process but the issue that national security is a legitimate question when you're talking about extraterrestrials and extraterrestrial technology perfectly reasonable and a good basis to hold hearings the hearings Will uh, uh, how would you say uh, flesh that out? Do we have now, do we have a summary of what the witnesses are going to to testify to? No, no, nothing's coming out yet. 
So, and, and we don't. Um, do we know their names? You said you had their titles, so you must know their yeah, names. It's it's uh, Scott Gray, Gray, and uh, Ronald uh, uh, Moultrie. Is there a purpose it's, for the hearings, as enunciated by the chairman? Yeah, it's it's to get uh, to get get a report, and well, to get to get information about how the uh, AOI MSG program is going, uh, and to also uh, ask questions about that. Uh, and also uh, raise any concerns they have about the last report they got because they thought it was a little inadequate. But I think it's mostly to get the first hearing done, right? Break mm. this ice, all right? Uh, because – and by the way, in addition to the public hearing, afterwards there will be a classified hearing. So they're going to get some more classified information. And this, by the way – by the way, this kind of oversight and back and forth and classified hearings and so forth – is what should have been going on all the way back to 1950. Yeah, of course. <laughs> now, now let me let me let me let me take umbrage to one. To where let me let me take right. let me take umbrage to one thing you said that I really really disagree on. And I understand where you're coming from, but I totally disagree. And this is it. You were talking to a worldwide activist audience. You were just told them, like Trump did to the Proud Boys, stand back and stand by. Oh, come on, Dick. I'm telling you minute, what you – hang on, Wait hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm not uh, saying uh, – I'm not, not going to let hang, that announce. Hang on. I'm, I'm not saying you're Donald Trump, for God's sake. Well, you shouldn't have even I'm saying it in the public venue when you say things, people take you seriously. You're telling, your best, you're telling your best people to stand down. Why? I did not Why are you not acing the bet and having – publishing a list of every member of this public committee – have everybody in this audience and in your newsletter and all of your press contacts, including your you know, girlfriend, uh, uh, Ashley, have them present with a series of questions that opens it up from the get-go. Of course, this is not NATO, and it's not Russia, and it's not China. It's them out there. Who are they? What do we know? When did we know it? When can we learn more? In other words, cut to the chase and have it citizens – do it to their representatives, which is the way the damn system's supposed to work. Richard? Okay. Yeah? I, oh, Ron. Have, yeah, by yeah, all means, Ron. Welcome to the yeah, conversation. Could sit, yes, could I step in before you pull out the weapons? <laughs> uh, Steve and I have done this for 30-some years. Come on. Well, no, no, no. 20, no I, I've been deep in this a long time myself, so I just want to uh, – I got a couple questions. Uh, Super. Steven, uh, let me let me start with you to double down on things because I get as offended as you do when Richard gets overly political. Uh, the um, uh, and he's well he knows he knows about the magic word that if he says it three times I hang up so he's uh, he's got to be careful. Uh, the uh, these politicians that you're talking about because that's what they all are good and bad uh, they have goals. Uh, do you know what their goals are? Because that's more important than this stuff about agenda. You guys are talking about procedure and protocol, but what are the goals of the participating um, Congress people? The uh, and I'm horrified at the fact that they're going to have an open hearing and then they're going to follow that with a classified briefing, uh, which we don't get to hear, just like we don't get the information, whatever it may have been, that they passed around last time. Uh, the, uh, that's, that's the problem. If their goal, if their agenda 
individually is to get reelected, then they're not helping this move along. And uh, the process has to be kind of binary. Either there's somebody else out there or there isn't. That's the simple question. All of these, uh, all of these echelons of spider webs of ideas that get it, uh, are all getting in the way. It's a very simple thing. Is there somebody else out there or isn't there? It's so simple. That's why it's taken 75 years to even get are to they, the beginning but are of the resolution. They, yeah, are they going to do it? That's my question. Look, where wait, everyone knows every, – well, God knows. I think most people watching the show know where I know it has to go. This all ends – this ends in one way. The president of the United States confirms the extraterrestrial presence, the disclosure event, capital D. But wait, that, I'm sorry, Steve. I, I love interrupting you because you react so weirdly. This is a conversation, not an interview. Let me stop you right there. You say this is inevitably going to go. The president discloses. How the hell do you know where that? It has to. How, how do you know it's going there? It hasn't gone there for 77 years. As long as I've been on the planet, it has not gone there. Who says it's magically going to go there unless we push uh, like well, crazy one thing, right now? For one thing, we have been pushing. We've been doing what we can for 75 Stephen, years. you've been pushing. I've been pushing. No, 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 no. Not the majority Hell, of the American people. Again. <laughs> they could care less about this. Richard's actually about right about that. The yeah. interest in the subject. Is hang on, hang on. Ron said something important. <laughs> important. I just said. I just said. You, uh, your perspective on that was correct because I, I am convinced that the vast majority of the public uh, is perfectly comfortable inside themselves with the idea that there is extraterrestrial life, and it's probably been here, probably a lot. I think everybody's comfortable with that. They just don't, are not comfortable talking about it. It's a matter of history. But through the vast majority, 90% of man's history, it was taken for granted that there was life elsewhere. That's a relatively recent uh, inculcation by the politicians mm-hmm. to, say, to say that it, uh, it's unique here. It, it's not something you can simply blame on the ancient prophets or something like that. They were talking about life from elsewhere. Uh, look, um, I just want to know how do we make sure we're not sabotaged like Lucy again? I think we again. You ask you ask questions that are of a type that I, I can't even. It's hard to it's hard to answer them. Uh, yes, how the question is asked is important. Uh, when um, over the years we have had many many congressional hearings about a range of subjects, some of which are very very important, and by and large we. Usually there was an idea of where they were going to go, how they were going to play out, and what the purpose was. Right? Um, so all I'm simply saying is that based upon the entire 75 years that we've just gone through and everything that's happened of, uh, in the last five years, that for me, and I've, and I've been saying this for a long time, it would – inevitably have to lead to congressional hearings because in order to get that announcement from the president, you need to go through Congress so that the Congress is participating, the American people are participating by watching the hearings, the witnesses are participating under oath, and thus the process is – and the process is relatively transparent. 
so that the outcome will be will be received appropriately and that the disruption that will occur within the country will be minimized. In other words, it's the responsible way to do this. As you know, any president at any time over the last 75 years could have simply forced the action, could have simply gummed forward and said there's ETs here. They've all chosen not to do that unless they felt unless they said no. Remember, the enemy has a vote. And I'm using, Again, I, I can't I, speak. I, I can't I, speak I, to that, Dick. Well, I know nothing yes, you about can. Well, we have no, terrestrial. We, we have terrestrial no, history. I, 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 we have look, terrestrial idea, history that goes back thousands of years. I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to plan my thinking and strategy on whether the ETs have a vote. I have no idea what the ETs have or don't have. They're not talking to me, and until I actually know, and I don't expect to know, then I have to operate in the assumption that they're they are not a factor in that decision. How do you and know they're not behind the timing of this? There's a whole million thing. things I don't know, Dick. The thing is, in order to to decide what to do in this life, in order to talk to people about what I think is going on, I can't factor all one billion things into it. I've got to go with what. No, but what you should do is take cognizance of other people's research which is at variance with your results. I'm aware just, of a just lot pay of attention. research. And my model is that we are not pristine virgins sitting here on little gem planet Earth, but in fact, seconds. you know, extraterrestrials related to us, family, have been messing and meddling with us forever. And this is only the latest, and the question I have is, how do we make sure we rescue it in time this time so it doesn't wind up like all those other times? My guest this morning is Stephen Bassett. We're having a very interesting, uh, Kissinger would say, you know, open, full-throated discussion of what I really think is the absolute nugget of why we should care about this. Suppose the extraterrestrial reality is not as benign as we've been led to believe. I mean, I, I, I know the standard idea that ETs could basically mop us with the floor any day of the week if they wanted to get rid of us, exterminate us, invade us, you know, enslave us, whatever. They've had 77 years to do so, if not longer. And I think that's an extraordinarily naive view of history. Now, admittedly, we only have human history to go by, but consciousness itself is something of a measure of what we might want to anticipate as worst-case scenarios. I just want to be mindful of the fact that during the most heinous development in national security in 77 years since the end of World War II, since I was born, we are literally tonight poised closer to some insane thermonuclear in, insanity than we have ever been since nuclear weapons were invented because of one guy, Putin. He's backed in a corner. He's not making coherent decisions. So what's his endgame? What is his out? I've, I've seen all kinds of things that say that maybe he just wants to end it all. I don't happen to think that. The problem is in the middle of such extraordinarily deep distraction, abortion, like the economy, like the pandemic, like this Ukraine insanity, suddenly a subcommittee chairman who believes that only extraterrestrial discussions can bring us together decides to hold a hearing. 
I would want to stack the deck by having everybody within the sound of my voice compose a thoughtful, serious, big-picture question and send it to the committee. Get their names from Google, send it, email it. There'll be a huge list. Maybe one or two will get through. Maybe that will be the question, which opens up the hearing from a structured pro forma. You guys are doing a good job, you know, deepest informed, to where something actually may leak. And that's what I would like to see occur. Midnight.com. Tune in to listen to Richard C. Hogland and his fascinating guests. Support the broadcast and don't miss another groundbreaking conversation. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. Listen to past episodes anytime on any device. Search the archives of over 180 episodes. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. The other side of midnight.com. And welcome back, everyone, to this Sunday night, Monday morning here in the Land of Enchantment. My guest this morning is Steve Bassett, and Ron Gerbron, our kind of resident generalist, has joined us. So let's go back to the conversation. Gentlemen, I'm just trying to raise the specter that we, as we've never had Steve before in human history, we have the capability now of intervening in these hearings as citizens and making voices known and questions raised that maybe you're not on the agenda, but damn well should be. Your question? What can we do as an activist? What would you recommend people do other than just stand back? Which was your first recommendation? I'm, um, I'm not going to – actually, I'm going to say the same thing, but let me, let me cast it this way. I don't uh, – expect or demand that people view how this is unfolding the way I do. They can choose not to. I tell people what I think is happening, how it's going to play out. They can judge that and decide whether they like it or not. Okay. And here is what I believe is happening and what needs to happen. We have a lot of people in this world that would really like to know in as great a detail as possible what this phenomena is, who is behind it or what is behind it, where is it from, what technology is involved? What, is it, what promise does it hold for us? 
what kind of a, what kind of actions have these ETs been taking, uh, and is and everything as much as possible about all of that. We've been denied that information for 70 years, 75 years. Uh, we've gotten drips here, and some private research has uncovered stuff here, but it's a it's a stash. It's it's a very incomplete picture, and it's uh, inappropriate. We have a right to know, we need to know, and we can handle the truth. Now, we're not going to get that information until the heads of state of nations finally confirm to their citizens that this is true, that these ETs are here. Until then, the embargo stands, and the embargo means we can't get the information. We've got to get disclosure, capital D. With respect to the United States, that is from the president of the United States. Now, in order to get the president and put a president in a position where he or she can, in fact, end this truth embargo, there has to be a political lead-up that establishes the platform in which to do it. And that lead-up has to be in the form of hearings, which we've been trying to get for a long time. Not one hearing, but many hearings, mm. right? These hearings involve the Congress, witnesses, the public. They'll be viewed by millions, if not hundreds of millions. It will be under oath. So it will have a high, high uh, component of credibility, right? And a lot will be learned in those hearings, though obviously not the whole picture by any means. All that the hearings have to do is to prevent a significantly powerful case that the only explanation for this phenomenon is non-human technology from elsewhere. And once that, we reach that, that mark, the president can easily step forward and say, yes, I viewed this myself. I've talked to my people. I've talked to the Pentagon. Yeah, clearly that's what it is. It's extraterrestrial. Being we have disclosure. All right. So that's what's going on. That's where we're headed. Now, it has taken forever to get just to the first hearing. Right? That process, the, the fine, I guess the end game really begins in 2017 with the New York Times article. Mm. And that was 2017. So now we're almost – it took almost five years to get to the point where Andre Carson calls for a hearing. It was a hard slog. It was difficult. A lot of people are exhausted. The people that started it out, like Mellon and Alessandro, have been hung out to dry for four years having to put up with internet trolls and everything else. But whatever, we finally got there. And we're getting strong statements from members of Congress. The press is covering things. The major press is, you know, I've got over 1,700 articles on my uh, in my print media archive on my website, specifically addressing the ac actions of the DoD and the c coverage of that since 2017. 1,500 articles. And so, okay, first we're going to get a basic hearing, and then we're going to get another hearing. I don't know which committee it'll be. I don't know what it'll be, and then we'll get another one. And at some point. We're going to get hearings where they're finally going to call the witnesses up there, the military witnesses that are going to give the testimony that most of us already know about and they know about that pretty much is going to close the deal. But they're not going to start with that. They're going to start with this, which brings me to the point that I made before. That committee is, is moving forward. Andre is, is, is taking the right step. It's a simple hearing. We're meaning that that's exactly what we want. Thank you very much. All right. They know what they're going to do. So having two or three or 500,000 people trying to get in touch with the office, calling or faxing and whatever the hell. No, 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 get, no, no, no. It's called information email. on It's them. called email. That's, that's the lifeblood of the Congress. How many congressmen have you ever talked to who said the only thing we really pay attention to are the phone calls and the emails? So if they don't hear anything from us on this, what will they conclude? Nobody gives a damn. 
don't. That's not true. Uh, first of all, they all they have to do is go on Twitter. There's a constant, endless stream of dialogue and information and shared links and everything else going on. And the, the social media has a massive UAP. Uh, they, they know full well the interest of the public in this issue. Okay, that's good. I'm is simply is saying, anybody organizing any efforts on there? Efforts to what? To protest, to demonstrate, to bring attention. There's, the media I'm only cover things where there are when, bodies. When, some, when somebody is doing exactly what you want them to do. Yeah, but they're not. They have they, a fixed as, cover as story. As far as I'm concerned, they are. So I'm answering it based upon what I see, not what somebody else sees. I'm saying they're doing what we want them to do. And so let us let them do that in peace and see how it goes. Hmm. And if we don't like how the hearings go, I assure you, there will be plenty of Internet uh, uh, conversation about that. And they will probably hear from people without question. But no, I, I, I know how it works. It's, it's just going to be very disruptive if they're suddenly getting all this stuff pouring in uh, to put pressure on them to do what? A lot of people are going to be calling up and saying, look, you need to ask them flat out. Is there an ET presence? If you don't yes, do that, you're yes, that's Whatever. the question. Exactly. That's the question. Yeah. That's the only question that's important. It's the only reason to hold the damn hearing. Make them no. put their feet to the fire. They're coming up for election in a few months. They want to be on the good side of people who do not see why they're being lied to on this issue, given all the good stuff that's supposed to be on the other side of doorway number three. You know, the thing about activism, right, that some people don't get, is ultimate point of activism is to get something done, not to raise hell. You raise hell if it's the last resort, all right? And so, uh, no, this is not the time for that. Um, hmm. There's a whole lot of things we could do, quote, try to do. Uh, Stephen? But, yeah. Uh, the, uh, yeah, there's still the same. I'm still having the same problem here. And you might notice I'm being more supportive of your uh, attitude towards this than Richard's at the moment. Uh, but the, uh, there's, the only thing binary in the Congress are pronouns right now. Because the thing is, it's as was just stated, it's very simple. Are they out there and in contact one way or another or not? It's a very simple yes, no kind of situation. And anything that does not yield that has made the whole, thing, the whole process rather moot. Pointless, Actually, stupid, absurd. It's not, absurd. It's not completely, it's not com- well, they're mostly lawyers, are they not? Yeah. I mean, there's a vast proportion. Now, what do lawyers do? They try to figure out what's going to happen ahead of time, you know. Or as a lawyer, I once had told me, he said, "Well, the first one that go- the first one that goes to court loses." You know, they want to know ahead of time what the result, the stated result, because it's always in their minds a fictional result uh, is going to be. And if you give them the grease, if you give them the leave. To go ahead and be at least wishy-washy, if not uh, downright fluid, about whether or not there's something going on. Well, we've checked into it, which was our important duty. (laughs) No, your important duty was to tell us one way or the other. Otherwise, all that research, all that 70 years' worth of evidence, the fact that there are 30,000-year-old cave paintings that look like flying machines drawn by people that knew nothing about machinery. 
you know, this is all clear enough. It's the question in everybody's mind. Is there something out there or not? You don't have to tell us if there's secret meetings <laughs> in a bunker at Area 51 going on to plot out our future history. That can wait till later. But you tell us now. That's a point. They need to get to a point or it's not going to have an effect on people, and it won't matter what the president says. Guys, in, in 1985, I told people that the, the Berlin Wall was coming down in 1989, and they laughed at me and said, oh, no, where communism moves in, it never moves out. And in 93, I said the World Trade Centers were coming down, and people didn't listen. Yeah. And, it, and I called a whole bunch of things. I had the Gulf Wars, both Gulf Wars, and now I'm going to make a prediction because when I made the prediction in 93, they had stopped the videotape because they were changing tape, so I didn't get a record of it. So I'm going to make a record right here and now. By okay. the time we get to, to 2032, this will all be water under the bridge. We will be fully aware and interactive with extraterrestrials. I don't know how it's going to unfold. Because when the World Trade Centers came down, I thought an earthquake was New York was going to set them off. Mm. But I didn't expect idiots to fly planes into them. Okay. But in this case, well, can I we ask a very course. bold and and and, and you know, out there question, Keith? Sure. <clears throat> How can you make these predictions? What's your basis for prediction? Yeah. I listened to something that someone wrote by the name of Notre Dame that people ignore because ah, they okay. don't believe it. Ah. Okay. What does what does John Hogue think of all of this? Yeah, I was wondering. Territory. The uh, I'm sorry, I don't accept prophecies that are more than six months away. <laughs> That's well, just me. That's just me. I just have, I have a hard, solid line. I just okay, fine. I'm glad you said that to anybody that has, says anything that's more than six months off. Um, of course, I don't. I'm no good at picking lottery numbers either. But um, I don't know how yeah. this is going to unfold. I don't know when it's going to unfold. Well, I just we know all it's feel like happen. it's going to. It's going. We all feel like it's but going see, to happen. No, the, point look, is to, look, the thing that I am consciously aware of, particularly since Art conned me into doing this show. Stephen, this, in, this includes you. I am consciously very, very aware that unless someone does something, nothing ever happens. We all are assuming that the weight of history and the reality of what we're immersed in is so obvious that if any hearings are held, the truth will somehow gush out. And I would like to somehow ace the bet. I'd like to have the Congress, this committee, aware, intensely aware of thousands of constituents who are looking for the real answer, which is yes or no. Are we alone or are we not? Everything else, well, as Ron just said, can, can wait. Yeah. But that answer the, from – go ahead. The, the Navy set this afoot when they came forward and they put out the information, the videos, and they said, oh, we don't know what these things are. They started the whole thing. Now, if we've got a Congress that's so stupid they can't figure out, <laughs> hey, they've been talking about this stuff for the longest time. People have seen these things, talked about them, and they've talked about a lot deeper than what these guys are admitting to. And now they're saying they don't know what they are. If they're that stupid to fall for that crap, they need to go you know, answer a telephone call from a telemarketer with a bogus phone number and believe the words coming out their mouth. All right? Because this is the same thing going on. <laughs> they've been telling us BS for the longest time, and now they're saying, oh, yeah, well, we need to find out what it is. You don't, you don't think that they haven't known for the longest time? 
See, that's where I want to bring the conversation back to Steve. Steve, how as the citizenry, looking at a hearing that we're paying for, how can we meaningfully, not being hyperbolic, but meaningfully participate in getting someone on that damn committee to ask one of those two guys the question, are we alone or aren't we? Well, first of all, um, there's a question about whether we're alone or not alone. It can only really come from one person as the president. Why? Anybody else? Exactly. You keep saying that like it's God. Where is it written in the Constitution? Only the president can make a discovery. Well, I'm not <laughs> saying that. I'm not saying that somebody else couldn't do it. They didn't name a call. They didn't name Schumacher Levy after a president. They named it after the people that found it. Uh, all I can say is, is and that they named Amua Mua uh, after a Hawaiian legend of a scout from a battle fleet, and NASA named it, and that's what they think is coming, Steve. And the idea of these hearings are just going to be pablum or, you know, somnambulist, whatever. Something's got to happen to make people pay attention so they ask the right question, are we alone? Forget NATO, forget, you know, Iran, forget Russia, forget all the possible other powers on Earth that could do what we're seeing. Nobody can do it. If they could, they would, and they haven't. So oh, and don't, go ahead. And don't drag, don't drag CERN and their... And their cronies into the argument by saying, well, maybe it's interdimensional. Maybe what is interdimensional? Tell us yes or no. That's the only that's Okay, the only so, so let me ask, we got about 10 minutes in this segment, then we got another half hour. I want to try to invite some people from the audience to uh, ask Steve questions, if you have some questions. Um, cool. I, I would like to know, Steve, as an activist, you really think we should just all just watch this and not try to have any influence? I'm saying that what is happening right now is exactly what we need and want. Let's let them do their job. Uh, and as you say, when you talk, when you say things, people can uh, people sometimes respond. I do not want to be on the record saying let's all see how much pressure we can put on this this committee to quote ask the key question like oh yeah sure. You're going to ask uh, Moultrie, are, are there ETs here or not? And he's going to give you a straight answer. You can't. Right? Why not? Because that – See, again, Steve, you, you are you're, you're my quintessential example of what I used to be when I was at CBS. And Steve, don't take it personally. This yeah, please don't take it personally. I'm using you as an object. You are able to hold two contradictory thoughts at the same time, which I find astonishing. Because on the one hand, you're saying that this is all programmed and these people are not going to vary from the lines that have been structured. I did not say it's all programmed. If you have a habit of putting words in people's mouths, you've had it, that habit. What did you just say? Everything is going the way That's it fair. should. Stand back. I am simply saying that the process that's underway is a series of hearings we worked a long time to get to. Uh, and I think the key players were Elizondo and Mellon, particularly Mellon. Yeah, but it's Mellon not a series. Has indicated it's not a providing... series, Steve. It's one hearing Tuesday morning for two hours. I'm saying there is a, there is a, a long effort to get to the point where we could start hearings. And uh, they, they, we've finally gotten the first one. Uh, there will be more. And these other hearings will be absolutely necessary to establish the basis to finally end this truth embargo. This embargo is in its 75th year. It's Define not like the it's truth just, embargo. 
because we reduced it to a binary, a, binary, a binary question that people that we kind of assume up ahead of time have as good a grasp on the available data as anyone, and therefore their opinion matters. You just want to ask them yes or no. So what are you talking about a truth embargo? The truth embargo I'm was saying, all of the obfuscation. About, I've been talking about the truth embargo for 20, about 20 years. I think I came up with a phrase in late 2000. It might have been early 2001. might have been before one. that. The truth embargo was the policy of the United States government formulated between 1947 – well, formulated between 47 and 52 and I think really underway by 53 that the reality of the presence of extraterrestrials, which was confirmed beyond any doubt to the government at Roswell, would be withheld from the American people. It would be classified. Uh, which is helpful. That, that, I mean, we classified, made secret, but it will also be denied. And if necessary, the efforts to uh, figure it out by the public would be disrupted, interrupted, whatever. Mm. Ultimately, uh, obviously, the ETs, because they can come and go and do what they want, it wasn't exactly like hiding nuclear weapons and pretending you don't have them. It, it was not an easy thing. The truth embargo was an extraordinarily complex thing that it's amazing it lasted 75 years. But the result of the truth embargo is in all of that time, 75 years, not a single head of state of any country in the world has ever simply said as head of state, yes, we have nonhumans in, uh, visiting us, right? Mm, I, that believe that, is, I, that's, I believe that's inaccurate. I, there have been a few. Uh, tell me. Who? Um, Co. at one point. Uh, no. Someplace nope. else in South America like Bolivia. Nope. 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 Well, nope. You're, nope. well uh, you're saying that, but I'm, say, the, um, I'm was, saying that I'm following it as close as anybody probably in the country. And if it happened, I'd I love see. to have the link, okay? But I'm, I'm saying unless you've got a – unless you have a specific reference to this – I really doubt that has happened. If any head of state had made that statement, unless it was some, I don't know, tiny island state in the middle of the South mm. Pacific, I don't know what goes on down there, I assure you it would have been big damn news, and I have, I have reviewed tens of thousands of articles on this subject. Mm. No head of state has ever done this. All right. Now, that is non-trivial because I can say there's an ET presence here. Uh, some former Secretary of Defense could even say it. That's not going to trigger anything major. That's not going to suddenly turn it all over. It would certainly put some heat on the issue. The Pope I mean, could say it. That would be kind of a big deal. Of course, he's he's practically a head of state. No, wait, 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 he, wait. You're saying and, and, the, you're saying if the Pope came on television tomorrow and said we're not alone, it would be ignored. No, no. I'm saying that the Pope. Yeah, but is, technically is he's not a head of, head of state. state. That, 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 so that's, if, that's, just, that's just the legalism for the Vatican. His real influence is he is head of a religion of one and a half billion Catholics. Exactly. So the point I'm making is that someone uh, – the pope would be uh, about the only person who was not a strict head of state. That or he, he the would, Egyptian patriarch. I'm not mm, Egyptian, Russian. <laughs> Russian, when I say Egyptian. If the pope were to come forward and state matter of fact there's an extraterrestrial presence, that would – pretty much be disclosure and probably trigger a number of other heads of state to follow suit, and that would be the ballgame. Only if somebody noticed him. I wasn't trying to back you into a corner. I'm quite, I'm quite sure I could come up with such a list, but they'd all be places where you go, oh, really? They said that? I mean, I tell you what, you get that list and you send it to me. You get that list and you send it to me. I'm listening. And I will go on the air and I will go through every single one 
and say, I can't believe I didn't know this. How about this? How about that? How about that? I will publicize it, put up my site, and I will give you credit for doing that. Absolutely. That would be a significant thing. Find me the confirmation of a head of state, an actual head of state that has said that. Confirm the ET presence, and I will go out of my way to ensure that you get the credit as I publicize that in every way that I can. How about, Stephen, right. how about, Stephen, a government, mm-hmm. not, a, not an individual, but a government? Yeah, a, that's where I was going to go, yeah. And let me tell you the example I'm thinking of, because when I spoke at the UN back in, what, 91, mm-hmm. it was on the heels of a UN conference on UFOs that had been called by, I forget which small countries – but the Granada, country. Edmund Gary, and, and then and then Reagan to, invaded Granada. I, I knew there was that to, connection. So the question is, to, uh, if you step out of line people. like Granada, do you get invaded? In other words, the cover-up has not been benign. And I'm Again. wondering, with fingers crossed and toes crossed and every other appendage I've got, is there going to be a change of political venue on Tuesday morning to where the unthinkable can actually be expressed? the Congress that we are not alone no not gonna happen I agree with Stephen it won't happen and here's why Uh, when I was a little kid I was told that the whole world was going to run out of oil in 40 years when I was in high school I was told the whole world's going to run out of oil in 40 years it was a magic number just like just like biblical proportions Mm -hmm. or something and it's continued on uh, not to mention global warming, which has now turned from into global cooling and then to uh, climate change. These are buzzwords that get people agitated and get votes for the politicians. They don't want it resolved. And I think it's the same thing with this. They know perfectly well what's going on, any of them that bother to look, and they don't want it resolved because it's useful. Which is why – and we've got three minutes – Till the bottom of the hour. Can you believe we? This actually, this discussion is what widely range in places I really wanted to go. Because Steve, and if we don't do something, and then it all falls apart, how are you going to feel? Wouldn't you think? Oh, if I'd only sent an email, if I'd only raised a, a ruckus, if I'd only used the opportunity, because the, the the real people we're trying to get the attention of is not the Congress. It's the damn mainstream press. Have you made up a packet to send to, to Ashley on this? Dick, uh, let me make this perfectly clear. You got thirty seconds. I am very comfortable with how I'm handling okay, the activism fine, that I need to do right now. All right. Okay. Secondly, okay. I'm not. Granada was invaded in 1983, and the, the the business of the UN with Edmund Gary was five years prior. Uh, I'm pretty sure that Gary never said there was an extraterrestrial presence, but he was willing to be the sponsor to be able to put a resolution in front of the uh, the General Assembly. And that was an attempt to try to make some progress, and of course it failed too. And three, if Andre Carson were to hold a hearing on Tuesday and come out and say, I'm pretty sure there's an extraterrestrial presence, yeah. I assure you, that wouldn't go anywhere but right away. It would it would create a stir. It would create an upheaval. It would cause problems for the president, problems for the DOD. Again, and probably end his that's political career. Your opinion. Okay. I I value your opinion. Dick, you have been I value doing your opinion. But putting out your opinion. I value. So I'm I, putting I, out mine. I, exactly, and I disagree okay. with it. Thirty seconds. 
I so, think that's is, well, well established. Put the swords away. Anyway, hang on, guys. We're at the bottom of the hour. Um, <laughs> the reason I'm on the show is to give people my opinion. Yes, <laughs> yes. But I'd like you to defend it with real data. Your assumption the president can't answer. do this or can't do that is nearly yeah. fake data. Uh, anyway, I never, no. we've, we've got to get uh, back to the show, so hold on, everybody. Yeah. My guest this morning is Steve Bassett. You know who he is. And uh, Ron Gerbron, you know who he is. Keith Morgan, who has been at ABC for 30-some years and has been deeply involved in the uh, UFO problem for a lot of that time. You know who he is. I'm just trying to get to the bottom. I do not feel in my gut that what we should do on Tuesday morning is sit and simp television. For God's sake, we've got a social media. We've got email. We need to let these people know what we care about, what we want answered. And certainly, if we don't get the answers we want, which is, yes, we're not alone, we need them to take it to the next level. And again, in a Republican, let's electorate lets its constituents' representatives know how are they going to know how the public feels? And now you know how I feel, as opposed to how Stephen feels. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return. side of midnight.com talk radio with pictures on demand liberate your hyperdimensional time scale and non-linearly access over 400 hours of conversation at the cutting edge of science and thought join club 19.5 to get access to exclusive content that fits your interests and time schedule filter episodes by guest or subject. Membership costs $9.95 a month, $0.33 a day. Talk radio with pictures on demand. The other side of midnight.com. And welcome back to the last half hour of the Sunday night edition of The Other Side of Midnight. Here from the Land of Enchantment, Sunday night, Monday morning. Stephen, I, I don't want to appear just uh, kind of, you know, obstreperous for no reason. I really do think this is an opportunity that people, you know, activism rests on a very fragile thread, which is that people do something and something happens. And if they do something and nothing happens, or if they don't do something and nothing happens, they get very disenchanted. It's like they, their, their input does not matter. I would like this audience to have an email address to send to each of the members of the committee who are not, by the way, mandated to show up for the hearing. You know, whoever shows up for the hearing is whoever's interested. They could have a hearing with the chairman and one guy or one gal. So we want a number of people at the hearing. We want them focused and we want them to be thinking about the obvious place this needs to go, which is, are we alone? 
The floor is yours. What can I say? You you made your point clear, and uh, what I uh, uh, my thought of that is my thought thinking on this is is this: an enormous amount of activism has taken place to get us to this point. It just isn't happening because on a whim, a lot of work has gone into it, uh, and that's point one, point two. I can assure you that most of the members of Congress that are paying attention to anything at all are fully aware that the sentiments of the American people for years now has been increasingly towards we we want to get to the bottom of this. We have a right to know. We can handle the truth. It's all over the news. It's all over the Internet, programs on television, series and everything else. And so they're fully aware of that. They okay, let me, let, me stop you. let me ask another question. Did you see notification of this hearing on any mainstream news outlet? Because I have not. I haven't seen it on it, Fox. I haven't seen it on the, CNN. I haven't seen it on. It, 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 it was in the they, New York Times within a few hours of. Yeah, it but being most announced. people don't read the New York Times. They watch television well, or, or on, they're on Facebook. It's been in scores of other newspapers. But still, it's you have to be a newspaper reader. In other words, it's not a wide full court press. I. I know, and I'm not. I, I mean, it, it's it's clearly been announced. It's clearly been covered, and plenty of people have had a reasonable amount of time to watch it. Uh, it based on the process underway. I I I would not imagine that they would have gone to some extraordinary lengths to, I don't know, take out billboards in major cities <laughs> or something. No, not the way it works, right? I They're only know job. that Helene Cooper. You know who she is, right? Yes. Okay. Well, tell people who don't. She is the New York she, Times defense correspondent. She's a very yeah. sharp cookie, wears yeah. huge, over-enormous glasses. Very interesting person. She deliberately said to one anchor several months ago, when there are hearings, can I be your UFO correspondent? She used the term <laughs> UFO, and she demanded to be part of the story because she's interested. If there's nothing there, if nothing comes out, are, her interest will go away. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's not going to be the case, Dick. Um, uh, one of the things I'll be watching for is I'm, I'm, I'm chronicling all the, the, the media coverage leading in. There's been a considerable amount of it. So it's, the press is jumping on this. The news stations are jumping on it. So there's plenty of coverage going in. Now, how much coverage are we going to get afterwards? I'm sure there'll be plenty. But again, there's not going to be bombshells dropped here. Uh just not that's not that's not the the way it it probably should go and not the way they're going to want it to go but the very fact that two top people i mean very high level people in the pentagon are going to go under oath and take questions about uaps all right for the Hmm. first time in 54 years is in of itself a massive story that's going to drive this issue forward even more and set the stage i believe for either mark warner or uh Adam Schiff, to call uh, the, the, the hearing that we want, need, and, 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 and so forth. And that is the hearing where witnesses are brought in to testify about events like Nimitz, like nuclear weapons uh, tampering, and so forth. Mm. These witnesses are ready to go. Mm. And I assure you, when those witnesses get up on the Hill under oath, that's a different ballgame. And when that happens, when, if, if, if Mark Warner called a hearing tomorrow, 
and said, we're going to bring in military witnesses like Fravor and Dietrich and others, and we're going to actually put them under oath to tell us about these things we've heard so much about. I am not going to go on any platform and say, okay, let's rain down hundreds of thousands of emails and contacts uh, on the members of the committee to tell them they got to get the job done when that's exactly what they're doing. In other words, when mm. somebody is doing what you want, there's mm. no, no good reason to piss them off. Letters do not Steven? piss people off. Go ahead, Ron. Steve. Thousands yeah. of letters do. No, they don't. It's all yeah. electronic. No. It's just electron. God. Yeah. Remember when I flooded not... the floor of NASA headquarters with literal physical faxes so that they could not get in the door of the fax room and the whole uh, upper floor erupted from the administrator on down that this twerp on a radio show was paralyzing the space agency? Well, what did NASA do? They finally took the damn pictures. Public agencies don't depend on being loved. You have to show them the power, and the power of a constituent is your vote and your attention and your interest and your expression of involvement by your letters and emails and phone calls. For us not to be doing this right now, I think, is a categorical, huge strategic mistake, Steve, and I'm still your friend. That's all right. It's okay, Dick. You're 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 wrong, and you're still my friend. <laughs> okay. I am reminded of a quote. I am reminded of a quote from the uh, immortal uh, Huey Long, ah. the Kingfish, the uh, one of the one of the one of the iconic names and characters in all of po- politics. Yep, who was a real yeah. person. Yeah, who was a real totally person. real. Yeah. yeah, right. Also, also probably the sort of the model for. Uh, uh, Boss Hogg on the Dukes of Hazard. I was yeah, just anyway, thinking of him. Yes, was, he was at a yes, he was he was at a press conference and he was waving his arms and being charming and saying uh, saying important things. And a um, one of the reporters said, uh, "But uh, Mr. Governor, uh, what do you stand for?" Hmm. And he paused and he touched his chin and he said, "Why, I stand for re-election." <laughs> <laughs> and the man was always honest, even yeah. if he was a crook. And I, the same thing is going on. That's why I'm pushing for the uh, need for a binary answer. That does not tell people that they are greys or they are Pleiadians or any other stripe. That can all come later. You're right. That's what all those extra hearings are about. But if you take that off the table, you know, that, yes, there are aliens around and they seem to have been here. You could say that definitively, scientifically, solidly, uh, back it up with some evidence that couldn't oh, be anything else. Oh, there's a million pieces of evidence to support that. Yeah, without having all the answers at the same time. And I think that would, that would satisfy many people, probably most people, and they say, oh, okay, they're on it. And but guarantee there will be hearing number two and number three and number four. I mean, we're doing eight nights of the damn insurrection. No, I don't think Eight so. I think, it's out of our hand. I think it's out of our hands now. I think these guys, they some of them probably don't think we're ready to accept them, but I think they have an agenda and they've got a timetable. In and other I, words, I they run things here. That's yeah. I don't like that either. That's why my but they're, that's not, why they're not running it. They're they're just pushing the envelope. Whenever we need to push, be pushed on, they push the envelope. That's why they've been showing themselves getting and so forth in front of people and getting caught on video and so on. But it's, it's all part of maintaining a status quo, which is in their favor. 
no, it's yeah. it's it's just saying, hey, we're still here. Let's see how far you guys are going to go. Or have you matured? Have you got enough intelligence to accept the fact that you're not alone in the universe? Are you still sitting there believing that you're the greatest thing since sliced bread? And <laughs> if they think we are not uh, grown up enough to move forward, then they're going to probably go a, back into hiding. Gentlemen, gentlemen, I, gentlemen, I have been part of these discussions for decades. And all we do is we speculate about alien intentions. We have real data. A, they're not aliens. One faction, one contingent is as human as we all are tonight. And they have designs on this planet because they're family. They were kicked off a long time ago and they wanted to come back. And that's a very long, complicated story. There are other players out there. There is some kind of galactic federation or interaction or political comedy or UN or something. There has to be. And for us to imagine that they just wandered up and found us by accident and don't know any of our incredible history, which is now exemplified on planet after planet by ruin after ruin after ruin that are human. All of this is waiting in the wings to fall out onto that conference table in the House hearing at some point, and I would like to see it fall out early rather than late, because if the hearing concludes and the objectives of, yes, we put it on the record, we've got this report, and we're going to get more reports, and you're doing a good job. Good job, Brownie. Remember, good job, Brownie? Mm -hmm. And the press goes away. Ashley Parker doesn't have some political angle to ask the chairman the key question, what the hell did you mean it would bring us all together? That's important to talk about and why beneficent aliens would enhance that and non-beneficent ones would not. And we should damn well know the difference. In other words, this, I think, is push come to, to, push come to shove time, not a time to just kind of wait and see what happens. Certainly a firm nudge would be a good idea. I don't know. Uh, Stephen, what do you think? Do you think that do you think the individual modulations of the politicians are such that uh, they respond to these sort of um, um, somewhat intellectual pressures? <laughs> oh, Lord, um, one of the things I've tried to do these these twenty six years, and, and 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 it's true of how I feel. It's not something that I'm putting on no, is yeah. I have a much higher opinion of journalists than the, I guess you could say the general population has right now. Um, have you ever a lot worked of the journalists with journalists? Have, been, have you worked with some? Of, like, at the, like at the network level, like I have, Steve, no, you're, tell, you're, you're telling me they have high aspirations. You've got to be kidding um, some do. Repeat. Some do. I have uh, I have a higher regard for journalism than uh, than the general population. There's a lot of good journalists who uh, suffered under the the what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, truth embargo. No, not just the truth embargo, yeah. but just the, the the polarization and the toxification of American society. I also know that there's some good politicians out there. They're good leaders. There are people in Congress that are good people. But and what happens and, to the revolutionary ones like Dorothy Kilgallen? That was a long time ago, and she wasn't a member of Congress. 
Um, no, you, said, it, you were talking about journalists. I was I was folding her in there. Yeah, well, yeah, there, yeah. But if you want to bring up Kilgallen, uh, most people have no idea how many war correspondents are killed every year, and how many have been killed over the last uh, two decades. Uh, it's an extraordinary number, particularly if you factor in the, uh, other countries. These are journalists out there trying to tell us what's happening in wars that could escalate and become uh, a threat to all of humankind. Dorothy Kilgallen was not a war correspondent. She was I a know political she was journalist she, who wrote, basically wrote from bed and pissed somebody off and they murdered her because of the UFO thing. Uh, I'm going back to the original statement. Okay. Yeah, which is that I have a higher regard for journalists than uh, the general public, and I, I know that there's some good politicians. I, I, in other words, I try to avoid being binary so much. In other words, I will say this. ETs are here or they're not, and that's a pretty basic binary, mm-hmm. and, I, and yes. I respect that, and it's extraordinary that we've been able to somehow contain that simple binary all these years, but the government went to extraordinary well, wait, wait, wait. Let's, let's, This is a very interesting question. Let's start with Steve's binary question. They're either here or they're not, okay? Yeah, that's simple. The, the answer to what we do as a society, as the United States of America, to start with these hearings, but actually the planet, which is where this is going to ultimately go, has to do with the answer to that question. They're here mm-hmm. or they're not. If the answer right. is they're not, then we don't have to worry. If the answer is they're here, then that leads to another set of binary questions. Are they here because they are interested in us scientifically, objectively, mm-hmm. distantly? Or are they here because, as George, as, as uh, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Charles Ford. Charles Ford, yeah, said, we are property. Are we owned by somebody and you don't want to admit it and nobody else does? I don't want to. Nobody wants to admit that human civilization is the product of an extraterrestrial influence of overwhelming proportions. And we're being now allowed to maybe see another possibility. People don't like that. But we've got to deal with it because it's part of the total phenomenology. I would like to see more noise in the mainstream about the importance of these hearings on Tuesday morning before I can be as sanguine as you are, Steve, that all we have to do is let the autopilot run and this will work out fine. I didn't say anything about an autopilot. Uh, I'm making metaphors. Gosh. Well, yeah, yeah, no, no, you said, uh, nevertheless, look, uh, we're, we're not going to resolve this tonight okay I, I, but in terms of what you just said yes there is a very long list of binary and and non-binary uh, questions that we need answers and a tremendous amount of information mm. that we need to get we have a right to know it we need to know it and we can handle this this information in order to get that information we're going to have to get to the other side of disclosure but until we get to the other side of disclosure, we're not getting that. We are in total agreement. Yeah. As Bill to Clinton, how I get it. Hang on. Get it. The, well, okay. We're all in agreement up to the point where it's, what do we do tonight? And you're recommending we do nothing. I'm recommending. Actually, no, I, I, will, I, will, I will recommend something. Okay. okay. Anybody that, that wants to take the time to, assuming they can get the email address, these are getting harder to get for members of Congress. In fact, they're always getting harder to reach, uh, including in phone, phone numbers, because it doesn't work that way. You go through phone trees, but whatever. Anybody wants to take the time, yes, put in a contact, however you figure out how to do it, and thank that member 
for the work they're going to do on Tuesday in interviewing these two people coming down from the DOD. Let them know that you appreciate the fact that they are doing this, uh, particularly in the case of Carson, who's the one that calls these hearings because none of the other members can. Show some appreciation. That, I think, would be helpful. Perfect. Perfect, uh, perfect, perfect. Excellent. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's good. And then we'll see how the yeah. hearings go. Yeah. See? Somebody <laughs> says something nice nice to you once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let me ask for some phone calls here. we got about 10 minutes. Let's see if somebody out there has something they want to ask any one of us. Area code 917. questions. All right. Yeah. Area code 917-889-8802. 917-889-8802. If you want to ask Steve a question about what could happen Tuesday or in subsequent hearings, because my gut says this is not the only one, but you know it's not going to be an easy uh, win. Um, or you might want to ask Ron a question, or maybe even me. Um, yeah. 917-889-8802. Okay, while we're waiting to see if anybody is listening, um, when was your last contact with Ashley Parker, and how did you leave it? Mm. It's been a while. I was back in D.C. I approached her about possibly being come in and brief some editors, uh, but uh, and I haven't heard from her since. Uh, but uh, to be fair, she's the uh, White House uh, correspondent for the Washington Post, and uh, let's just say that she's a busy woman. Uh, and so she wrote a very important she column. She wrote a piece, but she's not written anything since. Uh, the, the Washington Post is covering the issue, and you can see those articles uh, up on my uh, in the print media archive of my website. Uh, I'm putting up a, a bunch more late tonight. Okay. Uh, so the I Washington do, Post is continuing to cover, and so is the New York Times. I do believe. And quite a bit of other media. I do huh? believe we have a caller. Let's see. Oh, good. 407. Area code 407, you are on the air. Tell us your name and sign exactly. in, please. Say again. Okay, my, my name is – hello, can you hear me? Hello, we can hear you. Hello, can you hear me? We can hear you fine. Yes. Okay, great, great. My name is Nathan in Orlando. Uh, you know, I, first I want to say I don't know anything about this, experience, this, this issue that you're talking about. I have no interest. I've never had anything, seen anything, but I've I, I found stuff on YouTube that I have to ask is, is, is this, can, can, uh, uh, Hollywood create this, create this. So it's so real. Like there's one guy, see how he's videoing his experience. And I know that if, if a professional actor got scared, got scared, he's trained to, I've watched movies and you see somebody in real life get scared and you hear the way they breathe and the way they, they behave, it, you can fake that as a, as a professional uh, actor, but, but you can also know that, you know, if, for instance, if the guy beside me got shot, but it's not real, I can fake like I'm scared. But if he got shot and this is real life, you can tell if there's a video on it. Is, is this guy really that good of an actor? And if you got an email, I will send you – I'm, I'm not, uh, Nate, uh, you, uh, focus your question. What would you like to ask? Okay, who is, uh, if you, if you got an email, I have, my only question is, is if you got an email address, I can send this to you and you look at it. And if it's something you can use, and the only other thing I got that is opinion, I know that there are certain subjects that politicians don't want to pick up. 
uh, and they don't want to take. And it's usually because it's some kind of a power issue or a secret or something that they're they're guarding. Um, and uh, but like I said, I'm not. I don't have never had an interest on this, and I don't have an opinion uh, about the subject. Uh, but but I do know that that you know. In the religious community, this is what I hear. I hear their explanation of stuff that's going to happen in history and and how this could be, from a spiritual side, it could be something that deceives people. And I don't, I don't have an opinion about that. It's just, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and I, I, not enough. I just, you Let's know, it's just you. I'm listening to stuff and scratching my head. <laughs> yeah. And you'd like Free to have an opinion. Okay, we've yeah. got some more yeah, calls. Well, if you... If you Nate, got an address, uh, I can send you this. We will post it on the website, okay? Okay, got it. Thank, thank you much. Okay. Got it. Thank you. Area 646, you are on the air. Richard Hoagland, thank you, and thank God for this show, because no one else is covering this, and thank you for all of your incredible guests. What if there is disclosure, whether it's during these hearings in the future, and we recognize there's a degree of biological incompatibility with whatever this scenario is, whether it's from another planet, another galaxy. How, how would funding even begin to come about to begin an analysis of whether it would be safe to interact with another species? No one's ever brought about that consideration. I work on NIH grants all the time. And the degree of work that would have to go into that would be the hundreds of billions of dollars. It would be one of the greatest experiments of all humankind. And we have no idea where we'd even begin with that. Even if they are humans returning or they are homo sapiens per se. Well, they could bring, they could bring diseases that will be compatible to both species and wipe us out. Look at the smallpox and Indians and all that. No, these are very critical questions that kind of come along as part of the hearing because it's like what happens, you know, when the dog catches the bus. Stephen, what happens in your best case scenario at the end of Tuesday's hearing? Uh, again, if the members of the committee conduct themselves professionally, if uh, they avoid eye-rolling and humor, uh, if they ask good questions, and we get relatively straightforward responses, it's very possible that one of the, one or more of the, the committees may uh, members may decide to get a little more aggressive and ask some questions that are probably premature. Um, one of two things will happen in that case. Uh, either the the the, uh, the 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 individual Moultrie or Gray will uh, demur, and then they'll yell, they'll basically give an answer that doesn't really answer it, but right. uh, is trying to hold placeholder. If it's really if it's a if it's a really strong good question that's totally legitimate, they always have the option of saying, "I cannot respond, uh, uh, Congressman," uh, in the public. Uh, a portion of this hearing, but I will be happy to answer that question in the classified port. That, that's the only reason which they they're following the, the public hearing with. Yeah, there's nothing unusual about that. That happens all the time. No, but I'm saying it's a perfect segue. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, again, it, all I'm simply saying is is that the and this will be the case with all the hearings. A lot of people don't understand. Some people don't understand how hearings go. The reason you have classified hearings 
is there's a lot of reasons. One of them is that there's some material that's classified and can't be put out in public domain. I mean, that's that simple. Duh. Right? Until it's unclassified, <laughs> it cannot be stated. Right? Unless and, you want to take it to Mar-a-Lago in 15 boxes. And, and, now, and, now. And then, then you can do that. contextual <laughs> Right, right, right. Yeah. Now, the reasons for the classification, I mean, there are many. But, yeah. 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 And this, another reason is this. Uh, assuming that the people that are coming up on the Hill, whether it's a nuclear witness, whether it's a, uh, a Nimitz witness, whatever, any of the military witnesses or any of these gentlemen that are coming in Tuesday, let's just assume, right, that they're honorable people, right? Which that is a good assumption. No desire to, good assumption. No, no desire to lie. Statistics to are with us. Okay. Right. And so – because most uh, public servants and most politicians, Ron, really are public servants. The bad apples are few because remember the whole idea of being a politician is to respond to what people want. If politicians are fragmented, it's because people are fragmented. My God, where is the time yeah, going? I didn't say they were all evil. Don't they? Um, okay. We're going to have to do this again because we have basically run out of time. Stephen, um, I will obviously be in touch with you. I will get your reaction to the hearings on Tuesday, and mm-hmm. we may or may not have a show on Saturday devoted to the hearings. You're going to have to stay tuned because it is timely, it is important, and who knows, maybe one of you will send a question will get answered by someone on the committee. My guest this morning has been Steve Bassett, who is our resident expert and UFO political activist in Washington, who is a created an institution called the Paradigm Research Group, which has been basically unendingly pushing for this to happen. And now we are here. So all I can say is stay tuned and see what happens next. And until next week, remember, third star on the left, straight on till morning. Good night, everyone. Hmm. <clears throat>